Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sports Angler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Jonathan Hutt of Outkick and Outkick Hot Mike. Got a fascinating conversation with Hutton coming up in just a bit as we're going to be talking college football, conference realignment, NFL, and also AI replacing sports writers. A very in-depth discussion with our buddy Hutton coming up in just a little while from right now. You're not going to want to miss. Coach Bo's going to be here for the football fix. We'll also have one of our final draft segments of the season as well as uh, we'll be drafting our favorite villains of all time. Our top foolery story of the week as well, later on, and more here on this week's show. Thomas Bridges is uh, back here with me as well this week as uh, Tom has got some uh, exciting news to share as uh, we uh, we kick off the show this week. Tom, uh, you're uh, you're making a decision. This fall, you're, where are you taking your talents? Bro, I'm taking my talents. I'm I'm taking my talents to South Texas, baby, not South Beach. I'm going to South Texas. Uh, I'm taking my talents to the same place Victor Wimanyama is taking his talents. I'm making the move. Finally, you've heard me talk on this show so many times about the Spurs, and I am uh, I'm joining the ranks of uh, the Texans, and I'm joining the ranks of the San Antonians. I don't even know if that's what you call them. I don't. I, I haven't even figured out the nickname for what they call a person from San Antonio, but uh, I will be a San Antonio resident um, in less than 30 days. So super excited about that and got a job down there that, that pays well. Vacation's dope. You know, obviously, you know, as being a Texan currently is no state income tax. Right. Uh, excited to be down in the land of breakfast tacos, spurs, uh, the Texas. big old San Antonio women. I'm 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 ready to find them. Being Charles Barkley can run game. Yeah, uh, Eat all them churros too. Yeah, uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for all of it. You know, I like San Antonio. I have good memories there. I was there for the Final Four when KU was there a few years ago. And uh, had some fun nights on the Riverwalk. Uh, I had I had a drunk cigarette on the Riverwalk uh, one time. I remember going to the, uh, the Whataburger, uh, the storefront Whataburger down there, which basically I, I call it Club Whataburger because – Oh, is it on the off the river walk in the yeah? You got cops yeah. there, and it's two in, two out at a time, like you're entering a club of some sorts, you know, at, at that at Club Waterburger there. So I've been at Club Waterburger. So I hope you enjoy Club Waterburger. Probably stay away from the drunk cigarettes. I would advise, uh, yeah. but enjoy yourself in San Antonio because here's the thing I, I hear about San Antonio from Dallas people. The spin I hear from Dallas people about San Antonio is, hey. San Antonio is a fun weekend town. It's good to get away for a couple of days, but it's boring after you've been there like four or five days. That's enough of San Antonio. So, Tom, I know that it's a big step for you, and I'm happy for you leaving Tulsa and everything. But for your sake, I just hope you don't get bored of San Antonio after a few days. No, I definitely don't think so. And and that might be an elitist mindset from Dallas people too. That's a that's a bunch of those bullshit Maverick fans. <laughs> A bunch of those Mark Cuban elitists, right? So I'm, you know, I'm excited too. You know, they have a, a festival every April called Fiesta, yeah, uh, which 
a 10, 12 day long festival and, and just celebrates the culture of San Antonio and super, super, super stoked about it. Um, you know, I know the food is way better than it is in Dallas. Uh, at least, at least the Mexican food I know for sure is going to be better. Um, I I would disagree. We have the same exact places they do. You don't have the breakfast tacos. Yes, we do. I'm already you hear that? I'm already becoming a. I'm already defending the city before I ever get there. I'm defending it like now. Same stuff San Antonio does. Maybe even more options. We have the better basketball team. Uh, eventually, yes. Well, I mean, right now it's it's uh you know his, historic. Yeah, you got you guys you got well, the Mavericks are like I don't associate the Mavericks with are like OSU. Basketball. The Spurs are like OU. The Mavericks are like OSU. I I don't I don't associate with the Mavs though. We have the stars. You don't have the stars. So uh, I, I'm a still a Stars fan though. You are. You are. That's the one team you and I agree on is the Stars. Um, but I'm happy for you. I hope I, you enjoy San Antonio. I will say though, Tom, as happy as I am for you, you are on my shit list still right now, though. Like, let's 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 put this out there for the folks. Tom not only missed my birthday party, uh, he was supposed to come down and hang out and and make up for missing my birthday party. Then he ghosted me this past week. Didn't even tell me what the hell was going on. So, Tom, now that's like two strikes. I I, I hope that strike three is not coming, Tom. Oh, strike three is coming when. Uh... When you're like, Tom, where were you? And I'm be like, well, I was at the uh, San Antonio finals game. I was at the Spurs finals game uh, this season, this this coming June. Right. And you'll be like, yeah, on the show. I'm like, ah, sorry. I was uh, having uh, dinner and wine with Greg Popovich. Right. And you didn't invite me, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you would, you, would you drive down from Dallas for that? Uh, if If you offered me a ticket, yeah, I would. I'm talking about dinner with Greg Popovich. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd have dinner with Greg. I'd hope so. Yeah, I would. I would. But but Tom is uh, he he still needs to redeem himself from my shit list. Uh, you know, and 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 the clock's ticking on that. You know, so we we won't we won't mention the full story, but that's uh, that's that's part of the that's part of last October Baylor game. Yeah, I. I Hey, I I showed up to that. Like I was, I was. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, you definitely showed up to that. I did nothing wrong. There was nothing yeah, I did wrong. There's, there's some, there's, there's a few people in the in those stands that will, I, I, that probably still talk about you. They're like, you remember that one guy? And I'm like, oh, we remember that one guy. I, you, I mean. To leave it this way, I, I won't say anything further. I did nothing wrong that day, so there's, I have no uh, thing to hold on to of sorts. So, <laughs> you're uh, a legend in Waco. I am a legend in Waco in more ways than one. <laughs> um, with that said, Tom, uh, final week of the NFL preseason is here. We'll go more in depth on it with uh, with Hutton and uh, with Coach Bo when they join us coming up uh, later on. But uh, very intriguing of uh, what we have ahead here of these uh, next couple days, sorting out what's going on of these position battles and and everything. And and, and I would say first first and foremost, let's start with some quarterbacks. Uh, 
Baker wins the starting job in Tampa, I'm happy for Baker. Baker lives to see another day somehow, some way. Um, but I would guess that with Todd Bowles on the hot seat and everything that's going on there with as piss poor that offensive line is, the leash is not going to be very short on Baker Mayfield. If he struggles or even just that team struggles, maybe he's playing well, but not everyone else around him is playing well. They, I would not be shocked how quickly they go to Kyle Trask and, um, Baker, he did what he needed to do in the preseason, did what he needed to do to win the job, but, uh, watch out now. Let's see how long he can keep that job because, uh, if we're going to be real with y'all, I don't think Todd Bowles is a very good coach. And I would be surprised if Todd Bowles has that job after this season. I mean, yeah. And, and at the same time, you, you know, Baker has had his chances and, uh, you know, he's, he's done better than my, my, my buddy Mason Rudolph has, but um, and has been put in some honestly some bad situations. So to his credit, he's never had really a stable place to be. Um, so with that being said, I mean he's he's made the most of it, um, considering all things. But I mean, yeah, at, the, at one point in time, like they didn't draft Kyle Trask not to try him out. I mean, we know what we're gonna get with Baker. He He's has his second fl- round pick on Trask. Wasn't like he was a late round guy either. Right. I mean, yeah, you got to you got to try him out. You can't just keep him in the in the fold for you got to let him loose and see what you got and then go from there. Um do I think Kyle Trask is going to be a, a league winner? No. If I had, you know, if I had to put money down is he going to be trash probably. But you never know. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for Baker. Uh, obviously the thing that I find intriguing about that Tampa situation, and I'm sure TJ Reeves got some more intriguing insights. He was telling me that, uh, Baker is going to play the entire first half likely, uh, this upcoming weekend, uh, their final tune up before the regular season. You have some great receivers with Godwin and Evans and, and company there, but that offensive line is so bad. Like, it's it's one of those things where you could not ask for a better receiving core, but an offensive line with those issues there, I mean, you're, you're really getting the good with the bad. Baker's uh, going to have moments where I think he looks great and probably have moments he struggles too. I think it's going to be a little bit of both for, for Baker there in Tampa. I mean, it really seems like a uh, – you know, you remind Baker reminds me of, and obviously a little biased here saying this, Baker Mayfield, in the situation that he's in now with the great receivers in the shit line, really reminds me of, like, 2005, 2006, Mike Martz, Scott Linehan, Rams teams. He reminds me of Mark Bulger. Very Mark Bulger vibes. Maybe a more mobile Mark Bulger, but I think the skill set is the same. That's that's who Baker reminds me of on the Bucks now because – you know, Mike Evans is is maybe not as much anymore, but just because of his length, kind of a deep threat. And obviously, we know how fast Chris Godwin is. Obviously, after his injuries, we'll see. Right. But, I mean, how many passes over 25 yards in completion are we really going to get to see from Baker this season because of that line? How much time is he really going to have? Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. Uh, we'll see exactly how that goes. But 
with that said, uh, other stuff going on in the preseason. How about the uh, 49ers situation? Uh, you would not want to be Trey Lance right now. Things have fallen apart. At this time last year, Tom, we were getting ready for Trey Lance to be the quarterback of the future in San Francisco. Jimmy G was brought back to be his backup, and they made it very clear that Jimmy G was the backup. And things escalated quickly. Lance gets hurt. Garoppolo starts part of the season. Garoppolo gets hurt. Brock Purdy ends up taking them to the NFC Championship. Then he gets hurt, um, comes back, finishes that game, has elbow surgery, and they name Brock Purdy the starter. Then they bring in Sam Darnold, and now here we are headed in the final preseason game, and they've announced the depth chart for San Francisco. Brock wins the job. And Sam Darnold's the number two, leaving Trey Lance as the number three. I mean, what the hell happened for Trey Lance? I mean, things just fell apart. And it wasn't just the fact, Tom, that he was injured or anything. You look at what he did in this preseason. They gave him a start against the Raiders, and he just looked awful. I mean, Trey Lance, I get it. The sample size is limited and all that. But you, you talk about a fall from grace. It's hard to remember anyone that things were so optimistic and forward-looking walking into a great situation in San Francisco to be where he's at now. And with how much he's struggling in the preseason, I don't know why anyone would want to give up a third or even a fourth-round pick for Trey Lance right now. I get the upside, but the product on the field just hasn't been there. I mean, no, I mean, and, and I don't know if the 49ers know what to do with them because – it becomes a, a holding game. You gave up uh, three first round picks for the guy. Right. But at the same time, he's he's kind of proven to, you know, and I was looking, I, I think I saw a tweet or an Instagram post or some sort of a data driven graphic about him recently that Geno Smith alone had more passing attempts than Trey Lance has had since high school played however many games in high school with however many passing attempts, played in college, had however many passing attempts, and then just his limited time in the NFL, however many passing attempts. Combine them all together, Geno Smith had more time on the field in passing attempts than Trey Lance has had since he was in high school. That's incredible. That was just Geno Smith last season. That's incredible. So, I mean, at this point, you know, Maybe not the sob story uh, that you could argue if you're a uh, Josh Rosen apologetic, but uh, seems like it's getting close to that. Right. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. As a Rams fan, good for the 49ers. Let them suffer. I mean, I'm glad they gave up three, round, three, three picks for a bust. But, uh, you know, if you're a defender of Trey Lance or want to see him do good, I don't hate him as a person. I just hate him because he's a 49er, but. Um, damn, you know, tough shit at that point. I mean, I don't know how much money his overall earnings have made, but, uh, he's, he's kind of already like a Matt Ryan and he's only probably not even 25. One thing about this too, like from, we talk about how crazy things change from a year. Let's say he gets traded tomorrow. Uh, somebody gives up a fifth or sixth round pick, whatever it may be. At this point in the ball game, Tom, everybody knows who their quarterback is going to be or 
at least it's down to two different guys, right? Um, injury. If, if you're right. Lance. If you're bringing in Trey Lance, you're not bringing him in to compete for your starting job this late in the ball game. He wherever he goes, he goes from being third on the depth chart to San Francisco to second on the depth chart somebody somewhere else. Like it's it's not going to get a whole lot better and it's going to take an injury or something, whatever. Like, in all reality, it's not far-fetched to say Trey Lance might never have that shot again to be a starter in this league already. No, I agree. I mean, I agree. If if anybody trades a, you know, if anybody trades anything for him right now, at best, he's just a, a decent insurance policy, but he's already had his injuries of his own. You know, I think, I think for – San Francisco at best you you wait until the the injury phase takes course in the NFL and then you maybe trade him at the deadline to someone who might need you know a quarterback like I don't know you know Joe Burrow has that injury it doesn't seem severe yet but it seems like it's likely to reoccur maybe the Bengals say hey let's take a Trey Lance insurance policy just in case we're doing good and Burrow goes down or some something like that. I could see that maybe happening. But, I, I mean, and right now, if you're the 49ers, if you're not getting any buyers right now, well, then, you know, you wait for the season to take its course and you sell them to the highest bidder who has an injured quarterback. I mean, I mean, right now, think about this. If you're the Jets, you have somewhat of a promising season. The, the Jets seem like, in a little better position than maybe the Detroit Lions were last year. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, would you would you just rather have Zach Wilson, who knows the system already, or would you be taking Trey Lance for a fifth? Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. That it seems pretty even to me. I'm rolling with Zach Wilson, probably. Say what you want. Zach Wilson looked pretty good in that Hall of Fame game. I mean, yeah. I mean. I mean, is that the level that Trey Lance is on? Is he less than a Zach Wilson right now? I think so. Right. I mean, I'd rather have someone who's banging cougar moms, <laughs> you know, on my team. <laughs> I mean, he's Mormon, but so maybe he's, I don't, uh, side tangent that he's Mormons. Is he banging these cougar moms? Or if you heard this Mormon term, Jones, soaking? Soaking. I have heard about soaking. Uh, is that? Wilson, is he soaking these cougar moms? What it sounds like is it's not soaking, that he's going all in. Oh, so he's just saying, Joseph, we, he left Joseph Smith back in Utah, baby. He's in New York. All right. New York. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he's got something going on for sure. He's soaking uh, in the hot tub with the cougar moms, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, one more NFL note, then we'll talk some college stuff. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has been given permission to seek trades. Uh, and you have a situation there where the Colts just are ass. They might be the worst team in the league. In fact, I do think they are the worst team in the league. Um, he wants to get paid, wants a, a three or four year deal. Um, and nobody out there is going to make a trade similar to what the Niners did, what they gave up for Christian McCaffrey last year. I don't think anybody's given up a first-round pick uh, for Jonathan Taylor. I think you might get a second-round pick for him. It's 
it's twofold, right? Like, who are you going to find that gives capital worth the Colts asking price where they want to take the capital? But also, who are you going to find out there that wants to give a long-term contract to Jonathan Taylor and nobody wants to pay these running backs long-term deals right now? So it's a two-edged sword, right? With that said, and, and you're renting him. What if you trade for him and he did? He just says, you know. Well, what? I think you agree in principle that to an extension is part kind of, of a second trade. Um, but I, I I look at it. If you're the Colts, Tom, you're so far from being good. I think you got to move on from Jonathan Taylor. You it it's it sucks to say, but you know it sucks to suck. Uh, I mean, he's you not pretty much play. just got to take. Yeah the best offer you can get at this point. He's not playing for you, and he doesn't fit your timeline. So where is he going to go? Where do you think? Vikings? I think the Vikings a possibility. I think Chicago, Baltimore. Um, Let's see. I feel like that's where running backs go to die in Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, Miami is desperate. They need some help in the running back position. They've taken that Rams mentality of F them picks. I – I wonder, and granted, Jim Irsay is the worst owner in the league now that Snyder's gone. Are they going to be able to pull this off? Like, are they going to move on from Jonathan Taylor before the season? Because, quite frankly, they should. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, you got two interesting things. You think about running backs holding out. You you mentioned Jonathan Taylor, who I believe is a little bit older than this other guy, but you mentioned him kind of holding out and seeing where he's going to go, but you know, what's happening to Josh Jacobs kind of – I feel like Josh Jacobs, Jacobs already announced he's going to come back and play for the Raiders this year. He did – that, was that today? That was uh, like two or three days ago. Oh, see, I thought he was still holding out. Did he, he ended his holdout. He's coming back, going to play on the tag. Okay, so maybe we'll see his Jonathan Taylor situation maybe next season. Right. But, um, interesting to see where he might go. Uh, I mean, I – you know, I know he had that injury last year that limited him, but, you know, the season before was a monster. I still think he can hold up maybe. Maybe not the longevity that we've seen maybe out of someone like Derrick Henry, but – and, and you know, maybe not the play style either uh, for the Colts now that they have Anthony Richardson. Maybe they wouldn't run him into the ground, but uh, – you know, you mentioned about the quarterbacks. That everyone else has somewhere to go. It, it's so late into the – I mean, it's almost the season start that everyone kind of already has their plan put forward how they're going to go about the season. Um, you know, maybe – but but like you said, too, running backs now are a dime a dozen. You know, if you're a contender and your top running back goes down, and you think you have a shot, you could trade for him closer to the deadline. But at the same time, you know, look at uh, you, you mentioned Miami that they're fucking hold, holding running backs over there. They got what a, a five, six deep running back group over there. Um, I feel like every every time I look around, they've got like a, a somebody else in the in the running back fold. You know, right. some big room. Yeah. Um, so. Is it kind of, you know, this reminds me of, and we're in the middle of it, I feel like, Jones, tell me if you agree. Um, Steph Curry came into the league, into the NBA, and kind of shifted away and kind of led that, um, led that kind of parting of the Red Sea for Moses, or led, led that, uh, 
oh, Exodus from uh, big man in the NBA, you know, kind of led away from the importance of a big man in the NBA. I think we're seeing, you know, versatile quarterbacks that can run and move like a Josh Allen, like a Patrick Mahomes with these speedy deep receivers and more of a passing attack that we're kind of seeing that same exodus from the running backs and, and it's being oh, felt. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a very good point. We are seeing things change in, in that sense. Uh, we'll have more NFL discussion coming up uh, later with uh, Hutton and uh, with Coach Bo coming up. But want to shift gears to uh, the Big 12 side of things. Our uh, first Big 12 breakdown of the 2023 season uh as we have football action football is officially back this week week zero we won't see any big 12 teams play but we will see a little bit of college football uh the most notable being notre dame taking on navy um that game in ireland san diego state takes on sc uh those are the two games involving uh, top 25 teams but as far as the big 12 goes One narrative that's already being thrown out there. We haven't even started the season yet. And, Tom, you and I are here already having to dispel some narratives. And there's this idea out there that Texas is going to be carrying the weight for the Big 12. And I'm just calling flat-out bullshit on that. Like, (laughs) come on now. Like, I'll say this, and, and, and let me be very clear. I am picking Texas to win the league, yes, but as far as the whole idea of carrying the weight, I find just absurd. I I think that this whole idea that's being thrown out there of, hey, Texas is going to be really good and everyone else is just kind of average or mediocre just isn't true. I I think Oklahoma, TCU, K-State, Tech, uh, KU, Baylor, UCF, BYU – I think they're all pretty decent teams and are going to make things difficult for Texas. Now, I've already gone on record, and and I'll repeat. Yes, I have Texas winning the Big 12. Yes, I'm picking Texas to go to the college football playoff. But I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to have a cakewalk and that everything's going to be easy for them. I think that they're going to be met with a lot of challenges. That's going to be a difficult schedule ahead. Uh, I I think that they'll beat Alabama, but they'll probably stumble somewhere along the way in Big 12 play and get handed a loss. So with with all that to say, Tom, um, Texas, I'm not going to call them back, but I do think Texas takes a step in the right direction. They're improved. But this whole idea of carrying the water in the league is just ludicrous. Yeah, I think it's ludicrous too. And, and, you know, you mentioned Alabama. I think they could get that upset. And I think they have they they've had the talent to do it, and they've had the talent. I mean, we see the recruiting classes, we see what kind of recruits they're getting. They have they have had the ability, even in the Charlie Strong days, they've had the ability, or you know, at least on paper, and they haven't. And so until they do, I'm not going to call them back. You said college football playoff. That's going to be hard to believe for me. I, you know, and as as much as I hate this game between, I hate the Red River rivalry because I don't like to root for either team, but you know, you know OU has had that game circled since the clock hit zero at the end of the fourth quarter last year. Right. If 
put my money down blindly. I'm putting my money on OU this year. That doesn't really what I some I mean some about it. I mean it's a rivalry for a reason. Um, you know Texas is good. You lose Roshan, you lose Bijan. Um, you know you lose what Xavier Worthy's gone, isn't he? Right. Um, Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy's there. He's back. Oh, is he? Well, okay. Um, so okay, so you have a you do have a maybe a a Big Twelve. You know that's a first team wide receiver right there. And you know if everyone's back healthy, then yeah, okay, yeah, they have a shot. I if I had to pick, I think they lose at least two games, if not three. So here's where I'm at with Texas, Tom. Like, and we were talking about this with Tim Brando last week. If this was all about talent, if we were just looking at five and four-star ratings from 24-7 sports rivals, and, you know, if you did NCAA football, you know, style EA sports ratings, Texas would be way up there compared to everybody else talent-wise. But what the great equalizer is, what makes this thing competitive is is coaching. Like, I I, I don't trust Sark. I think tr- Sark is a decent coach, but I, I, I never saw Sark win conference titles at Washington or at USC or even most recently at Texas. Sark hasn't been able to get that over that hump. Not saying that he can't, but I haven't seen him be able to do so. If I'm looking at coaching, like right now, I'm taking Chris Kleiman over him. I'm taking uh, Gus Malzahn over him. Uh, I'm taking, you know, Lance Leipold, maybe Dave Aranda. I mean, there's a number I'm taking of Gundy. I'm maybe taking Gundy. I'm taking Gundy. The head of yeah. Sark. Like Sark's, like I said, not a bad coach, but we haven't seen him be able to get the most out of his teams, and that's where I see this whole idea that Texas is just going to dominate the league. It's not the talent. The talent's not the issue. I don't trust Sark to get the job done yet. I mean, he's he's two shit seasons away from the likes of Tom Herman and Charlie Strong. I mean, real. if they go back to the Alamo Bowl again, you think that's going to fly in, in, in Austin? Uh, no, and I'll tell you what, too. We if they, win, if they win nine games and go to the Alamo Bowl, there will be hell to pay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's that's saying that's you know that there's a lot of big expectations, but with those big ex- expectations comes great consequences if you don't meet those. And the donors that that travel into that hot ass Daryl K. Royal every Saturday, there's going to be some hell to pay. And 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 here's the deal, Jones. If they shit the bed this season, it's not going to obviously get any easier next season. So it's time to put up or shit up for Texas. And and I'll tell you what, obviously I have my qualms against the Sooners because I live here currently in Oklahoma. I'm probably going to be talking a whole lot more shit by the end of the season, having to deal with all those Longhorn fans in San Antonio and and in Austin and, and being right in the heart of the shithole burn orange country. Keep in the heart of Texas, yeah, yeah. Stars and night are big and bright, and long and and Guys Texas, in Texas sucks. are upon you. Yes, Texas still sucks. It's you know, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's to me like people talk about 
one of the things that uh, that's been brought up is like, well, the quarterback situation at UT, you got, you know, Quinn Ewers, who lo- was inconsistent last year. Can he get the job done? It, uh, again, it's not even about talent, not even about the quarterbacks. If, if Quinn sucks, Arch will come in um, and Arch is a pretty decent option. Um, you know, they, they got a couple different guys at UT. Like it's not about talent. It's about coaching. That's all it comes down to for me. They're whether it's Quinn or Arch or whoever, they're going to be fine at quarterback. That's not the issue. It all is about Sark as far as I'm concerned. So that's uh, what I'm watching for. Uh, let's go ahead and just bury that narrative right away. I think Tom, my playoff picks, I'm very, let's, let's see who yours are. I, I have Texas winning the league and give the playoff, but we'll be tested. We'll be challenged. It will not be an easy path to get there. Um, I got Texas in the playoff. I got Michigan winning the Big Ten, going back to the playoff again. I got Georgia, the two-time be- de- defending national champions, going back to the playoff. And I got SC in the playoff as well. I think Caleb Williams is going to be fantastic. Number one overall pick. I mean, he's the real deal. And – that offense is going to be incredible, and I think that they're on another level compared to most teams in the Pac-12. And uh, as much as it hurts me to say, they do have a great head coach in Lincoln Riley. Uh, I know it'd be OU fans hell to have Texas and USC both in the playoff, but that's how I see this play now. I think it's Texas, SC, uh, Michigan, and Georgia as my four playoff teams. Who, who are your playoff picks, Tom? Oh, you know, that's that's uh, I like yours, too. I'm going to change it up just a little bit. Obviously, you have to have a stay in Georgia. They have to be there as much as I hate USC. Maybe not as much as an OU fan, but not a fan of of the transfer portal going that way to, you know, big, big L.A. Transfer Um, portal lives in Los Angeles. Yes. Right, yeah, it's it's like okay, I'm over that. So I'll take Georgia, I'll take USC. I do like Michigan. I don't like Texas and dark horse. Some about the purple baby, kind of like Zach Bryan. Something in the orange, something in the purple. This is it. Chris Kleiman's gonna make the TCU jump, and I got K State in the playoff. Whoa, okay, yep. I'm gonna take K State coming out of the Big Twelve. I think I think playoff. Florida State I think Florida State might win the ACC and I think they might end up looking like the Pac-12 on the outside looking in. I think you know Florida State, Clemson are obviously the two teams. I think they're going to hammer each other out there uh and end up and end up crushing both people's dreams in the ACC. So I think this is the year you you mentioned that USC gets in and does it. Um, you know, a little disappointing last year, but I, I think Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and crew get in this year. And I think Georgia, K-State, Michigan, USC, no specific order besides Georgia being number one. Yeah. I'm also, I think Clemson's going to be a threat. Uh, I like club Nick at quarterback. Um, I think they're better than Florida state. North Carolina, I think, isn't a playoff threat, but with Drake May there, they should be an interesting team. Um, and then the Alabama equation and all this. Tom, it, 
we've seen Alabama take a couple steps back. Last year was a disappointing year. It was a failure if you asked Alabama fans. We had Ryan Fowler on a couple weeks back, and he said that his radio show every day all summer has been like hosting a funeral in Tuscaloosa. And there's questions about if if uh, Saban's lost it or not. I don't know necessarily, Tom, if Saban has lost it, but they're not Georgia right now. They have been passed over, and I don't see them catching Georgia. I got Georgia winning it all again. I don't have any reason otherwise not to pick Georgia, but it, it's hard to, you know, pick Alabama to do anything significant until they catch up with Georgia, and they're not there right now. No, they're not. And I will say, though, every time we end up counting, saving out, What's he do? He goes and wins another national championship. So I'm not counting them out by any means, but until they, you know, establish something off of, of beating Georgia and making it happen. I mean, the thing, the thing that's good for Alabama is they know what's in front of them. There's nothing there's, you know, they, they see the roadblock in front of them and they know what the roadblock is. It's not like coming up on like a four car wreck at 80 miles an hour. They're, they seen the you know they seen the the ambulance and the police and the firefighters, uh, you know, three miles ago, and so they can slow down and they know, you know, what the fuck they're dealing with. They know there's a, you know, a, a traffic stop ahead, um, but can they do anything about it? I don't I don't know. Can they get to work on time even with you know a roadblock? Probably not. Um, and when I say work on time, I mean back to the national championship. I don't think they can. Uh, has Saban lost it? I don't think he's lost it. I think Georgia just got better. Right. I agree. I I don't think Saban has gotten worse. I think Georgia's just beating them at their own game. Um, and usually that's what, what happens with these dynasties, whatever. They don't fall apart because they got worse. They fall apart because they got beat by somebody that was better than them. And that's what you're seeing. They got figured out. I got yeah. I got Georgia winning it all. I think Michigan's intriguing. Uh, bring back JJ McCarthy is going to be very nice for them. They got a great backfield uh, there uh, with Donovan Edwards and uh, as well as Blake Corum. Blake Corum, of course, had a chance to win the Heisman last year. Michigan intrigues me, but uh, until somebody beats them, I can't pick Georgia. Are you going with Georgia win it all too, Tom? Yeah, I think so, and and. Let me make it a little bit more interesting. I got Georgia versus USC in the first round, and I got a purple team beating um, beating Michigan again. Ooh. And then I see Georgia blow out K-State in the national championship. There you go. It's a little yeah. bold for me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no I'll stranger go. to bold moves we can I'll have. So. Georgia beats SC. Michigan beats Texas. And Georgia beats Michigan in the title game. That'll be my official pick. So I think that's pretty fair. There you have it. That's uh, our picks for this week. One more note in our uh, Big 12 slash college football breakdown uh, before we bring in Jonathan Hutton here. Uh, ACC realignment updates. Sounds like that they are close to potentially adding Cal and Stanford. But the stipulation is that neither school would get a revenue share or a very small revenue share at that while ESPN still pays it out, but it goes back to the remaining members of the league. So Florida State, who's been sitting there complaining about revenue share, all of a sudden they're going to get a piece of the pie potentially 
that Stanford and Cal's not even going to get. And I'll say, this is a temporary fix for a long-term problem, Tom. Um, I I get why you need to do this, because you need money. Um, and But it makes things a lot more difficult on Olympic sports. Cal and Stanford, it's a lifeboat for now, but the ACC is going to fall apart eventually at some point anyway. Um, you know, it, this... I guess for the time being, it's it's not a bad move for these leagues, but where was the ACC when they had the chance to be right there with the Big 12 and try to go get the four corner schools or go make a run at Oregon or Washington or something like that? Like th- this to me just is just reeks of desperation on the ACC's part. Um, and, and Cal and Stanford, like it sounds fine for now, but we're only – prolonging the inevitable here for when the ACC blows up. I mean, realistically, that's the next one. And and I, I wonder how much like geographic location maybe played a part. I mean, it, it makes sense more for the four corner schools to join the big 12 than it does for them to kind of be on an Island all on their own and to join the ACC. But I mean, you could say that about a lot of, a, a lot of the things you could obviously say that about Oregon and Washington and USC joining the Big Ten, but uh, I mean, for Cal and and Stanford to to be coast to coast, that's a lot of travel. Um, and so maybe they thought that too, and and maybe they said they hold their own and maybe go after, you know, maybe go after somebody closer that could potentially open up, and they just sat on their set on their dick for a while, and uh, obviously didn't work out, and you know does it feel like it's in the writing for the ACC to be next? I think it does. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Once, Especially with Florida State already kind of voicing like, hey, fuck y'all. It, what's so funny about Florida State saying that too, Tom, is if we were to rank the most attractive teams in that league, Florida State's probably actually third I mean, I know that they have a great football history, but their academics aren't great. Uh, their facilities are not up to date over there. They're not Florida State of yesteryear, what we think of, of the 90s and everything. Right. They have, a, cool, they have um, a cool pregame routine. That's about it. Like, Bobby Bannon's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, if we're being real here, Florida State and Miami would get their choice straight up between the Big Ten or the SEC. As far as we know, the Big Ten isn't an option for Florida State at all. They don't line up academically with the Big Ten and the AAU institutions of the Big Ten. Um, Miami, we know Miami, the U and everything, even as down as they are, they're one paycheck away from being right back there again. And North Carolina is a sleeping giant in college football. Uh and we know about their great basketball program, great academic institution, one of the best public universities in the country, and you know, a great market, great hotbed in Charlotte there. I mean, it's as crazy as it sounds, Miami and North Carolina are gonna get their choice before Florida State. No, and they, they definitely would. And and uh from a Big Twelve fan perspective, if I wanted to change the if I had to go after a couple schools. And the ACC, obviously, let's take Clemson out of the discussion just 
for whatever reason. I feel like they're hard set on the SEC. Um, but if I had to take two schools not named Clemson as a fan, though, and I like what you said about North Carolina, especially we've talked about multiple past weeks about, you know, not only building football, but becoming the premier basketball conference that we already are in the Big 12. If I had my my fan choice, I we would go from the truck stop conference. We would move on from that name and we would become the official party conference of the entire United States. And we would take Florida State and we would take Miami. And then we would have Florida State, Miami, Arizona State, throw in Oklahoma State. I'm biased there, but it's the best yeah. party school. It's the best party school in the Big Twelve currently. Um UCF in Florida. I mean, it would be you want to talk about alcohol consumption consumption and just a, a party. Get right. Florida State and the U paired up with can you imagine Arizona State at Florida State? Oh my God. Yeah. That would we would have to take away Georgia and Florida. It would that would be the new uh largest cocktail party. Yeah. Well, then uh, the idea about uh, SMU and the ACC, it might be a long shot right now, but we know that the W has been advocating in their behalf and Condoleezza Rice has been advocating for Stanford and all that. Um, but with SMU, Tom, I'll say this real quick, and then we got to bring in Jonathan Hutton here. Um, with, with SMU, they don't bring anything. Like, they're a great academic institution, and they're very rich. But that that's just another body, right? I mean, that's that's fill-in name here. They don't have a fan base. They don't have great facilities. Their football program hasn't been relevant the last 30 years. They bring nothing. What they bring you is, okay, we're willing to go there without a revenue share so the rest of you can make money. And we happen to play in Dallas, so now you can recruit in the state of Texas that you weren't able to do previously in the ACC. I mean, like at that rate, you could, you could do, you could get out of SMU the same thing out of Rice or North Texas fill in the blank school. I mean, they, they're just a body at that point. They would be what Vandy is to the SEC basically. Worse, worse. Yeah. I I mean, both have money, but I mean, yeah, SMU is that girl that you take home at the end of the night when all the other options are gone. Right. That's I all. Mean, that, you're like, well, I guess we're all that's left. So I guess I'm going home with you. And you're like, all right, I guess so. Or I'm getting, I'm basically using you. You don't bring anything to the table, but I want these things out of you. That's what SMU is. So, yeah, uh, that's horrible. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah, just being real. I mean, they they bring nothing. They just well, all they do is like help out everybody else, but they don't help themselves. Uh, with that said, Jonathan Hutton going to join us. Got a great chat with him uh, as we're talking college football, NFL, even about AI with Hutton in a moment. Coach Bo standing by. Football fix, draft season, our favorite villains, and Tom Fullery and more coming up next. Stay with us here in the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now, the Jones Port this week from Hot Mike on Outkick. It is Jonathan Hutton who is here with us. Jonathan, always a pleasure anytime we get the chance to chat, my friend. How are we doing? I, I'm doing great, Tyler. Always enjoy the invitation uh, to, to hop on with you. Always enjoy these conversations. Yeah, no doubt. And football season 
near uh, week zero this week. And obviously we'll get things going for real next week. The NFL uh, around the corner with the full, with the uh, preseason in full swing right now. Hutton, I mean, it, it's almost here. Like we, we can almost feel it. Uh, it's about to get crazy here. Finally, right? Like we, we gear up all off season for the start of camp. And then that's at the end of July. And then you have, uh, the longest 31 days of the year is the month of August because it's a hurry up and wait process. You feel like football's back. It's not really back. Uh, NFL cranks up about two weeks prior to college practices beginning. And those guys are just out there. You know, they've got it easy. They're t-shirts and shorts. Uh, unlike, you know, 10 years ago when they had two a days in full pads at day two. So yeah, it's, uh, it's not nearly what it was, but it's, it's better than, any of the other crap that goes on during the middle of the summer, at least in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's uh, let, let me start on the college football side of things. Uh, you, you and I were, were talking uh, a couple weeks ago, just as realignment was unfolding and yeah. and everything. And now that the the dust is kind of settled of some sorts a bit, uh, what's kind of your thoughts, takeaways as uh, what we have going forward with this uh, new Big Twelve and uh, new Big Ten and the collapse of the Pac twelve here. You know, I a part of me wants to go back and and you know kind of reset where we were and think long and hard about the decisions that are being made across the landscape of college football. The other part of me says, like, you know, that this is a sport that uh, has always been on a rotating axle. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that votes were cast instead of games played in a playoff. And you had uh, more than one national champion. You know, you could have co-national champions. That it, it has evolved to what it is. Money is moving everything. Uh, I think that the next the next step is Apple or Amazon gets involved uh, because I, I don't know how many more billions can be poured into it from the the linear television networks. Um, with that being said, though, the rights fees continue to go up. They are ESPN, Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC. They are controlling uh, the narrative right now of where teams are going, where programs are going, who's going, who's not, and how soon or how far away they are from actually making the jump. It's not necessarily Greg Sankey. It's not Tony Petiti. It's certainly not the NCAA. Uh, they all been in any of the networks who are working behind the scenes to have this master plan. Uh, the NCAA, as you well know, they want to continue to own the NCAA basketball tournament. That is their goal. Uh, they also want to regulate college athletes in terms of name, image, likeness, and transfer portal. They want to get that uh, you know, corralled, at least in their own mind, it needs to be. And I think the networks look at this and know that the college football playoff is its own entity, that the NCAA does not run that. And they know they can, and they have, and they want to continue to do so. So I I think the the next hurdle Tyler is going to be um, how do they reassess the the not just the bracket but like the automatic qualifiers or at large um, from the twelve as we expand not this year but next year. Um, Greg Sankey has said like, hey, we push for eight, not not twelve. We settled on twelve with the six and six model. Of course, the Pac twelve is no longer going to be the Pac twelve, right? And they right now have four teams that don't know what's going on. Stanford may go play for free in the the ACC for all we know. Um, so there will be an autonomous five, but I don't think 
one of the five needs an automatic bid for their conference champion. So how do you determine that? I, I think right. if there was a compromise to get to 12 and there were six and six, I think the next compromise, because again, networks hold the power. Uh, they have the money to expand it if, even more if they want to. And Sankey wants everyone at large. They want the top teams in. That benefits the the the, the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, the others want the automatic bids, of course, because they want their champion in. Every conference that's a part of the college football playoff gets $80 million, regardless of how successful you are, and you split that evenly. The Pac-12 isn't going to be a part of that. And I think the compromise will be move it to 16. You keep the automatic bids that you have, and you have four more at-large bids. That will likely go to the SEC and the Big Ten. They get a bigger chunk of the pie, and the haves and the have-nots continue their compromise until we have the super conference whenever that is determined by the networks. With all this being said, of where we're at now, Hutton, do you think this is all good for the sport or not, the the way this is going? Because I look at it and, you know, I, I see some of these. The example I've been using is, you know, I understand if you grew up maybe watching Oregon and Oregon State and been a fan of that game and, you know, that rivalry. But as a consumer, somebody that's not invested in that, I'd much rather watch Oregon and Ohio State play any yeah. given day than than play Oregon State's. Um, just with, with that in mind, I know that we have the increase in travel and, you know, we go to these super leagues and some schools go by the wayside. At the end of the day, is this better or, for, or is this worse, the, the direction we're going here? Uh, you know, honestly, it's probably going to get more eyeballs um, because I, I think the direction we're going is, and I think what you're alluding to is the super conference model. Yes. Where, you know, how often, if you, unless you're a fan of these teams, don't take it personal here, but <laughs> if, if Alabama LSU is on CBS this year and I can turn on SEC Network and watch Missouri take on, you know, uh, Oregon State, you know, it, I'm not watching that game. Right. I'm watching Alabama LSU. I'm not going to watch Vanderbilt against Ole Miss if Georgia Tennessee is on the on the TV screen. I'm just that, that other game sucks. Um, the the smaller version of where we're headed, albeit for the almighty dollar, is a better overall product. If you're just a simple football fan, I don't have a dog in the hunt here. I'm not a volunteer fan. I'm not a Crimson Tide homer. Uh, I just like solid football. I, I, you know, I don't like the, for the most part, the opening weekend of college football because it's, you know, a top program against a patsy and it, it's a money grab and it keeps, it, it's not Tennessee's job to keep MTSU's athletic apartment afloat for a million and a half dollars to play the game. I just don't believe in that either make your budget or don't. And if you can't GTFO. So, and that's just the hard bottom line for me. Um, and far too often it's the top programs that are, uh, you know, having to not having to do this. They want the win, right? Coaches get bonused off of six or seven wins and those wins count for their million dollar bonus or whatever it is. I mean, it's, it's BS, but that's the system that we're in. And meanwhile, uh, you have directional school, uh, number two. They have an opportunity to make a million and a half dollars that they're not going to make at the gate at their stadium, that they're not going to make through a volleyball match or a basketball game in, in you know, the Sun Belt. That's just where we are. And, you know, it, it's it's not on the major programs to do all that. It's also not beneficial for those coaches 
to play tougher games because they're not going to obtain what's written in their contract as far as bonus money is concerned. ADs, success for the programs, money coming in. Fans want to go to a game and leave happy. Right. They want to leave with the good guys winning. And that can be a 66-3 to three final score uh, if you know you take the family to the game and everyone wins. I, I for one, I'm, I'm not sitting in front of a TV screen watching that. And I prefer better competition than I prefer one team winning or losing. So I'm, I'm more in line with what you're saying of just give me the better product. But I also am not naive enough to think, oh, you know, it's just a better football game. No, the the those behind the scenes that are churning all of this are the ones getting rich. And meanwhile, those same the, the same hypocrites are trying to stop the bleeding when it comes to paying players. The same organizations, the same conferences that stood at a podium at SEC Media Days, Greg Sankey, Tony Petiti, we can go down all these guys. Yeah, uh, and, and the NCAA. Let's let's just go to the very top of this. A nonprofit billion dollar nonprofit business. They have said we need regulation. We need federal legislation. And so you have Senator Tuberville doing the bidding of a nonprofit billion dollar business, trying to cut off the faucet for players who are getting nine percent currently of the budget. What they don't want is the 9% to become 49.5% of the budget, which is what NFL players currently get. It's not right. about the 9. It's about the potential to be 49.5, and they want to cut off the money now before the new TV money comes in, which bumps up every school to $100 million roughly. That's really what it comes down to, but we still get a better product, even though we see the hypocrisy right in front of us. Yeah, you're right there in SEC country. You mentioned Greg Sankey and – I've always thought of him. He's not just the commissioner of the SEC. He he feels like he's the commissioner of college football. That the yeah he could be where he leads. And I look at what he's done with with the SEC and even with everything that's going on. You know the the Big Twelve with their mass changes, the Big Ten going west and everything. The Big Ten, the the, the SEC sitting here hunting in not only a position of being the best conference in America still by a mile, but maintain their identity. Oklahoma and Texas are still natural fits in this league. And yeah. you talk about the long game going forward. They're going to have opportunities if they want to get the Florida States, the Miamis, the Clemsons of the world, and, you know, expand to nine conference games whenever ESPN is willing to pay it. I mean, the forward thinking of this league and still keeping their their brand identity, uh, I, I think it's been a phenomenal job by Greg, Greg Sankey compared to where everyone else is managing realignment right now. Yeah, and, and he's done it, uh, TJ, with with the idea that uh, we're good, we're we're not really chatting about it, we're not panicking. Greg Sankey, trust me, is doing things behind the scenes when everyone is believing what he's saying. When he's like, uh, "We're we're sitting pat, we're not doing." It. If it if Notre Dame said, you know what? We no longer want to be independent. Greg Sankey would be doing something right now. Uh, it's about who's available and when, not if, not the hypothetical. It's the long um, game. It, it is, but it can also the long game can also be the short term, like meeting. Like you've got to get in a room now because it, it's no different than what the Big Ten did when Oregon and Washington were ready to do something. If the Big Ten knew, okay, two years from now, are we likely going to? be looking into Oregon and Washington. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and speed this process up because they're available now at no penalty to us. We're not they're not paying a buyout. 
they're ready to go and we can assure that they're with us instead of them forming their own deal. The ACC is trying to do some things. Point being, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina, NC State. It seems like NC State and North Carolina are, have, have formed that pact when they're voting together anyway to keep Stanford and Cal out of the conference. Um, I, their grant of rights is is with uh, the ACC through 2036. They also have the media rights deal through that time. And the media rights deal is with the same company that's paying the SEC. Right. So. Uh, until that until ESPN, Disney, ABC, or if Apple comes in and does whatever, they that's when the SEC will expand and consider the programs there. And you're right, the the region aspect of what they're doing with Texas and Oklahoma makes a ton of sense. Um, so I I think so does the idea of the teams that we're talking about, but it doesn't have to be right now. And you also you know, Sankey, you're right is the de facto leader of college sports, but he's not doing anything in that regard. He's not grabbing that brass ring until there is legislation or there is some decision made on what's lawful and what's not. What is the Supreme court going to rule in favor of, or not in favor of uh, before he decides to put some model together and actually move forward with what's going to be the future of, college sports as we see it. I, I think football eventually branches off and we have a football commissioner. I don't know if that's Sankey, but behind the scenes, Sankey will be the one or one of, if there's more than one, it'll be one of the two that really get that done because it's not Charlie Baker, uh, the former governor of Massachusetts, who's uh, now the president of the NCAA. He is there for his, his role in, as a lobbyist in, on Capitol Hill. Now it's not him. He's not leading. Um, the NCAA right now is following. They're releasing statements after conference expansion, not before. They're followers. And the the leaders are the conference commissioners at the very top. Yeah. If we ever have an, a uh, college football commissioner of sorts, uh, I, I, I'd nominate our, our friend Tim Brando. Uh, I'm, I'm sure yeah. Tim would hey. the job. You know? but, yeah. Tim Brando would be like Goodell uh, <laughs> coming in right when he took over as commissioner. You know, he had the he, – he was like a Wyatt Earp where he's – handing down the lawful justice to the players that it would be the reverse side for Brando. He would, be, he would, he would be handing back college football uh, and crowning Nebraska a national championship, you know, like that, <laughs> that, that would be Brando. Uh, Timmy B is uh, I, I respect his loyalty to uh, what we had. Um, but even he would admit like, you know, it's, it's a hard role to actually fill. I don't know. It's a great question. It's a great yeah. debate on who, would be good for that position because you need someone that everyone looks up to everyone right. respects. No one believes that they are, uh, you know, being, being sown, uh, sold a, a bill of goods. Right. Yeah. They're, and I think in some ways, some fan bases, not the sec, definitely the big 10, they would believe that Sankey would be doing that. You know, right. it's always to benefit the sec. So I think you do need some bipartisan, leader but i right. honestly don't know who fits that mold like an oliver luck comes to mind but he's bounced around so much now now he's, he's out now about with pack the pack 12 yeah. yeah yeah so i don't know i yeah pack four I, I don't know who fits that role perfectly right now and that that's the real issue is they don't really have that one leader there are they, you, you have these 
you have these little sections that are leading themselves because there is no true flag that everyone's following. Yeah. We're joined by Jonathan Hutton of uh, Outkick and uh, Outkick's Hot Mike here on the Jones Report this week. Uh, one more college football question, then we'll move on talk some NFL here. Um, looking ahead just to the season, uh, Georgia, the favorites coming off back-to-back national titles. Do you think anybody has anything for the dogs? Can somebody like Michigan or Alabama or you know Tennessee, whoever, is anyone going to be able to compete with Georgia or are they going to uh, swoop right in and go for three straight here? I think they have a great shot at it. Um, look, I, I, I think even in the assumption of that, we are again, underselling the importance of Stetson Bennett, Carson Beck, uh, steps in as the starter now at Georgia, um, going for the three Pete. I mean, we, we haven't seen that what 90 years or something is the last time that we had a dominant run. And it, you know, again, it's a totally different game. It just doesn't happen. And Alabama's changing quarterbacks. They're returning, you know, a, a ton of players. They, they're stacked. But, you know, they, they're, there are moments in these games, if you look at these last-second performances, Alabama lost two games on the last play. Okay. Those games would not have even been close if not for Bryce Young. Yeah. Um, Tennessee led by 17 points against Bama and Bryce Young is the reason why that game was not a boat race, like a one 800 ass whip by the third quarter. And it, it, it's, it's just, a we're just assuming that Obama oh, has got it figured out at QB. It's not that simple. And I, I could say the same thing for Georgia. You know, it wasn't that simple for Georgia in their first championship run. They were really great. You know, their defense was the best we've seen. But the fan base still wanted Stetson Bennett benched, even after the SEC championship performance, which he was during the national championship. But he went on to the yeah, he went on the college football playoff and had a historic run, uh, and and won the championship with some big time throws after losing that game against Bama in Atlanta. Point being, that position is undervalued right now from the perception of Alabama and Georgia, LSU. I think has a great chance. They're a year ahead last year. Daniels is back. Brian Kelly has done a tremendous job stepping in and reforming the perception of how we view Tigers football coming off of their championship run in 2019 and then having to reform what that what the perception of LSU is in the immediate here and now. Now it's that they're in contention immediately. Tennessee, Joe Milton replaces Hendon Hooker. To me, it's not about um, it's not about Hooker on the field. It's more about the the intangibles with Milton. Is he going to lead the same way or in the a similar way that Hendon Hooker did? Is he going to hit his layups? You know, far too often prior to the maiming Hendon Hooker, the full time starter, Milton would have a guy running free down the down the far sideline and overshoot him by twenty yards. You know, like that that has to change. How much has he improved? We saw great things at the end of the year. And then at Arkansas with KJ Jefferson, like it, it, can he stay healthy? And what does that mean for Arkansas in the SEC West, a team we're not talking about? And then everything going on at AM, they they to me are like the LSU of, of this season. Weren't really expecting much from LSU last year. They climbed the ladder. And now 
A&M was the team we were expecting a lot from last year. And now it's just kind of like, ah, they're middle of the pack. I, I don't know because of what they've done with their offense and uh, what we expect from uh, the offensively compared to, can they just stop the run on defense? If they are able to do that, they on paper, they're a team that should be in contention by by November, even if they're one or two games uh, on the, on the loss column to me, they're, they should be in contention for the sec West. They should, they seem like a team that will be, but I think in the West, there's more than just one or two that will be in that realm. In the East, un- unless South Carolina continues to climb the ladder, I think it's Georgia and Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, moving on now to the uh, the NFL side of things, uh, training camps wrapped up, final week of the preseason here. Uh, from what we've seen so far, small sample size, Hutton, what's been kind of your Takeaways, what stood out to you on the NFL front here as we've got things going here the last couple of weeks? You know, there, a lot of talk about the Jets, of course, uh, just the landscape, um, you know, the, the storylines of Baker Mayfield and Tampa, the rookies, of course, and, and how they've performed or, you know, who's named the starter and when. I I tend to look at the storylines that no one is really thinking about because those are the teams in contention. Um, we're not really talking about Kansas City. Right. They haven't made the moves that everyone expected. They didn't go and sign DeAndre Hopkins, even though they were mentioned as a trade partner during the draft. Uh, no one is really considering Buffalo like we were a year ago. Uh, Cincinnati is, you know, right now with Trevor Simeon and not Joe Burrow, but Burrow was expected back, but we haven't heard a real update on that with his. With, with his leg injury, which is with his calf issue. So, you know, how does that all impact what they're, how that shapes up? Those are the teams though. And then there's Rodgers and the Jets that have formed this super team that normally doesn't work out in the favor of the super team. You know, load up, but there there is a chemistry and a, a, a overall system, you know, a, a, a Patriots way for years, right? Um you go in and you're doing it by the way of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. You go to Kansas City, it's Patrick Mahomes' team. Uh, it's Aaron Rodgers' team in New York, but it's a new version of a collective group there with a ton of talent. Um, so, you know, and, and the other storyline that's not being talked about enough, I think, is Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville because that team is – they have a ton of talent. Yeah, if you look at their roster, I think they may start one rookie at tackle, the the guy from Oklahoma. Other than that, and that, and that's only due to uh, a suspension due to uh, PEDs or something, I believe. Right. Um, other than that, there's there there are a ton of talk about some some teams that are just good, not great, and they're good like usual. Tennessee, uh, you know, going through New England, you know, New England's like a nine and eight to me. You know, I, I, that's how I view. Baltimore should be far better. Uh, Lamar Jackson had what you would know this twelve touchdowns the first three games last year. Yeah, he was, I mean, great. He was on a tear. Oh. And then you know, again, like I, I put them there. And then Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's offense is one to buy in for me. And Kenny Pickett is the quarterback that I think we've all forgotten about. If if Matt Canada, who was his quarterback coach last year, he's now calling plays this year in Pittsburgh. By all accounts. They are they're slinging it around a lot more. They right. had two touchdowns outside of the red zone last year total. 
they've had four with their starting offense in the preseason alone already. So I, I think that's a good sign for Steelers fans that it's another year where Tomlin's not going to have a losing season. I think you bring up a good point when it comes to coaching versus talent. I mean, I mean, you see it firsthand with uh, with Vrabel there in Tennessee, where he gets the most out of his team, uh, despite yeah. maybe the lack in the roster at times. I mean, I, I, I think about this, Hutton. I was having a conversation just yesterday. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs; they're the favorites again, and everybody's like, "Hey, are they going back to back? They're going to go six straight AFC Championship games." But even today, it's not like the Chiefs have the best roster. Last year, they didn't even have the best roster in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, going into the season, everybody was talking about Buffalo, saying they got the best roster from yeah. 1 to 53. But the system that's in place with Andy Reid and with Patrick Mahomes there and everything, I mean, as much as we talk about talent and players, the, the coaching still matters. Well, but it's it, the coaching matters. But keep in mind, the teams we're talking about, Philly can be in this too, because I, I think they've had this dynamic because they have a true leader in Hurts. Uh, Kansas City, the, the reason why, and you're right, I, it's it's Andy Reid, but Mahomes and Kelsey can look at each other on the field right before the snap and do something that's not even in the playbook. You know, th- that and that that moves the sticks. That That's the difference between um, fourth down and two on a route that, that would have – that Kelsey was going to run versus first down and ten – and moving the sticks and, and keeping a drive alive on a game-winning field goal kick or something. Like, right. that that's what sets them apart. And I guess that's what I'm meaning with with Rodgers. There, there's super teams, but then there are just connections. You know, there there is a camaraderie there. Um, and there, there's a culture right. that you don't – you just don't magically purchase. Um, and it takes longevity – um, it, it takes a quarterback willing to, you know, put in the time. There's far too many lazy quarterbacks, I think, in terms of how, how many how many quarterbacks have the Kelsey Mahomes connection with one of their receivers. It's not many, and it yeah. seems easy, but it takes it takes more than just oh, uh, let's go to practice and you know go through this walkthrough because we have a great coach. Tannehill doesn't have that report. He didn't have that report with AJ Brown. Uh, AJ Brown has that rapport with Jalen Hurts, so uh, it takes that that connection, and then you pair it with a Hall of Fame caliber coach. Uh, and there are coaches who get the maximum, like you're mentioning Vrabel. Vrabel doesn't have that QB, right? But Vrabel has the ability to get the most out of every single individual player. Um, but your best players, your elite players have to be alphas in the alpha moments. You can't just act like there's going to be a different guy that steps up in a in, in a different moment every time. It's got to be your guy. Yeah. And that's why Mahomes is is the best in the league. That's why Joe Burrow is right behind him and that's why there's a group of everyone else in the AFC uh either due to injuries that have kept them out of the game like Lamar or just simply due to they're good, not great, but they have the opportunity to be. But it's not always on coaching, even though I think both of those both of those uh, quarterbacks that we're mentioning have solid coaches. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, a couple more things, and then we got to wrap up here soon. Uh, let me ask you about Jonathan Taylor. We heard this week that he's been allowed permission to go seek a trade. This is a guy we talk about being that difference maker. I mean, you add him 
to a team like Buffalo, potentially, that could put them over the top or some of these others out there. Do you see Jonathan Taylor getting moved, and where do you think he ends up? I don't know if he ends up anywhere based on um, – so if you're his agent, you're going to want compensate. You're going to want a, a, a trade and then sign an extension, right? That's the whole point of this. Um, I don't know if the return is going to be what they were hoping for. He's 24. Um, and, and comparing to some of the other salaries out, I mean, he's 24. He's got, he doesn't have a ton of wear and tear, but he is currently on PUP. Technically he failed his physical going into camp and that's why he's on the physically unable to perform list. Yeah. And if the Colts want to, they could keep him on that list through week four, the first month of the season, if right. they want, um, that's that's one thing in that advantage. The other thing is they get to accept the terms of the trade. I don't think they're going to get in return what the Panthers got from McCaffrey. Right. So where where's the middle ground there? I, I think teams that should be interested are uh, a team like the Denver Broncos. You know, that to me, adding a Jonathan Taylor out of the backfield, not of course with the run game, who averaged five and a half yards per carry in 2021. Four and a half last year, and a banged up year for him. Uh, but also, also the pass, short passing game for Russell Wilson there would be really good. Chicago, I mentioned them just because they're run based. Um, and if you start looking around, and people are mentioning Miami, Miami's stacked in the running back room, and there are many teams are. It's tough to really place where Taylor would go at this point compared to if it were March or April or early May. Um, just because rooms are kind of set. And I mean, you also, if you get us, if you start looking at depth charts, you get a sense of how the league values the position. And if you view it through that lens, there's only four or five teams that would truly be run first. And if you're going to give him the extension, you have to be a team that goes through the run, you know, Tennessee, for instance, or Baltimore, maybe Baltimore makes sense, but again, uh, you have to have the cap space and the allocation of of money moving forward to to pull it off. Kansas City, you know, they for those that say they don't want to run the football, they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round in 2020. They drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ahead of Jonathan Taylor in that draft. Right. Um, again, it, I think some teams will view it as four and a half million dollar base salary this year, and we'll guarantee that we're not going to franchise tag you. Um, a, a year from now. But by doing that, you're not going to give up the type of compensation that San Francisco did to have Christian McCaffrey long-term. There, there is a give and take that the Colts will either have to agree to or just say, okay, we dare you to sit out and take a pay cut. Right, right. It's a great point. Uh, Hutton, one more thing I, I had to ask, ask you. Uh, I was watching your show the other day and saw you guys bring up, I had no idea about this, of newspapers going to AI for sports writing now? Like, what What the hell is yeah. going on here? Yeah, it's uh, it's pure laziness, but it's not. It, look, it, so I, I I pointed out Gannett doing this. Um, It's not just Gannett. It's every company out there, right? Like, it, it's whatever. Like, and AI for writing, uh, writing high school recaps for, you know, so let me give you an example. The Tennessean here in Nashville, they're a Gannett-run paper. Their right. slogan is Everyday Matters, all right? That's complete bullshit. Everyday Matters is bullshit for a local paper covering Christ Presbyterian Academy 
And they're the writer, the author of the coverage is lead AI. Um, that, that if you insert team name here and put it under a headline to, to give the perception, look, here's what they're doing. They put the CPA score for a local fan base written by AI. All right. Not knowing that the, like the, the high school fan of either team is likely to click that the rest of us that are just scrolling, looking at scores, maybe you have the opponent coming out. It's the perception that they're covering local angles right. and they're not. Right. And that goes on across the board in media right now. Everything is a lie and bullshit. It's either clickbait. You have companies that want to make you believe they have so many followers or subscribers that they're buying. They're not actually real. That's also AI. Right. Um, it, it's going on across the board. And I don't blame them. I blame me. I blame us, the consumers who have allowed this. You know, the, the, the response is always, oh, well, man, I hate to see where it's going. Well, do something about it. Hit unsubscribe. Um, call out the fake crap that's going on instead of allowing these companies to continue to be lazy and effortless and worried about the next 24 hours instead of where we're going in the next quarter, in the next year. No one really cares about that anymore. You scroll and you click or you don't. And once you get the click, that's your subscription for that day. Right. And we allow it to happen. And Netflix raises prices. Everyone complains about it. And then everyone continues to watch Netflix after venting. You still pay that bill. Um, and for whatever reason, as consumers, we are complaining about it, but not doing anything about it. And I'm to blame. I'm raising my hand. It's my generation that are raising soft, limp children. I don't have yeah. any kids. But look at all the stories right now going on in, in the Big Ten where you can't even run stairs anymore because it's punishment by exercise. Right. That's my generation. And well, if someone should step up and in this instead of just being like, well, man, wait until 10 years from now and see what it's like. Well, do something about it then. Call right. out the fake crap and end them. Force them to actually work and try something new instead of spinning a wheel and determining what the issue is of the day. Right. I mean, not to not to get politically aligned one way or the other, but I mean, Hutton, you look at the Bud Light boycott. It wasn't yeah. until something actually people took action and did something that they finally saw results. Yeah, but even even that's bullshit. Fact. The Bud yeah. Light boycott is coming from a group that said uh, we're anti cancel culture, um, but don't drink Bud Light. I, I come from the mantra of drink. If you drink beer, drink whatever beer you want to. I don't right. care. I don't care about the label. And the same people that were saying that are going out and buying Michelob Ultra owned by Anheuser-Busch. Like if you're going to pretend to be smart, actually live Do some research. In, a, in a smart way instead of mentioning Bush Light and Michelob Ultra as an alternative, which is all under the same umbrella. It's a great point. Uh, Hutton, uh, speaking of drinks, last time I was in Nashville, by the way, uh, you, you were on a little vacation. I missed you out there. And, uh, I did do the, uh, distillery tasting again. Uh, yeah. Outstanding. Uh, it what'd was you go with? Uh, I, you took some I, home, right? I did take some home. I, uh, I took the, uh, the cinnamon whiskey home. There you uh, go. Nice. Did, uh, or, or actually, no, I took it back. I didn't take this. I did the, uh, the peanut butter, the, uh, 
Their oh, version yeah. Much better. Yes. That's uh, uh that that's a good mixer. Let's put it that way. Yes. Old Smoky Moonshine gets it done. Yeehaw beer. Uh, and everything's made in-house at 6th and Peabody. Uh, I'm glad you came back by. I'm sorry I missed you that day. And uh, hopefully next time you roll through, we, uh, we'll we crank it up again. We'll do a cheers. Yeah, I'm down for that. Hutton, uh, plug away. What's uh, what's going on with uh, you guys' coverage of football season and where can people check out the show and everything with you and, and uh, Chad Withrow? Yeah, go to outkick.com. We're streaming live there each day. Uh, anywhere uh, you can find uh, a streaming platform. We should be there. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Chad and I, we're live. We speak our minds. Uh, we don't read off a teleprompter. Uh, we're not going to be told what to say or how to do it. So if you want authentic sports coverage, and I under and I put sports in all caps, uh, hit up Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern across the Outkick Network. Hutton, appreciate the time as always, man. We'll talk again soon. That sounds good. Always enjoy this, man. Top for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisor Group. You can find O'Connor Advisor Group online, oagcast.com, o'connoradvisorgroup.com. He is also the host of the Coach Bo Knows Podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, your mic is on. How are you doing? <laughs> Take two, Tyler. Um, hey, uh, doing great. This has been a good week. We're getting things going here at O'Connor Advisor Group. Been a busy time, you know, we're at the end of summer, kids are getting back to school, so all that stuff's going, and uh, it's an interesting time, my friend. It is. Um, I can imagine, Bo, you're probably pretty happy to not be the parenting age of getting ready to send a kid back to school right now. Yeah, you know, mine's in, mine's in his 20s now, so it's like, okay, I'm I'm done with all that, and it's nice to just not have to worry about it anymore. It's kind of... Yeah, no more uh, getting everybody ready in the mornings. No, none of that stuff. So it's uh, it's, it's kind of cool. I can barely get my ass out of bed to go to work at nine thirty. I can't imagine going to school at eight o'clock ever again. I, you know, when I was younger, I was a good morning person. I, I, I was really that good at it when I was a kid. As I got older, I've gotten worse at. It. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, since I'm the boss, I can kind of come in a little bit later and I do make, mess up my schedule. I do have those two days a week where I start the day at the house and from the home office and then come over midday. So that helps, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Bo, uh, let's start with the uh, college football side of things before we get to the NFL. Yeah. Um, strong push again for Cal, Stanford, and SMU to the ACC. Um could see a vote on that here in the coming days. Sounds like that there's four schools that are stopping it from happening. Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and North Carolina State. Uh, they need one more to be the convincing vote to allow membership for those three schools. Bo, I feel like that this is kind of just buying time, isn't it? I mean, eventually the ACC is going to blow up too. And all those other schools are going to be trying to find a new home in the SEC, the Big Ten, or the Big 12. Stanford, Cal, SMU even. I, I understand you got to do whatever it takes to stay relevant and stay a part of process and all that. Don't get me wrong. I understand where you're coming from. But it is, isn't it just delaying the inevitable here? I think so. I think that, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head of, they're trying to these three schools, my like Cal, Stanford, and 
SMU, are doing anything they can to stay relevant. And if joining the ACC works for them, well, good luck. Um, it looks like there's four teams. They need 12 teams to approve the vote to bring those three teams in. And like you mentioned the four teams earlier, North Carolina, North Carolina State, um, Clemson, and who was the fourth? I don't remember now. Florida State. Florida State, who are going to block it. Now, I think what ends up happening is these four do block it. I don't think it's going to happen with the um, with the whole um, ACC expansion. And I think what ends up happening is this is step one for the seven schools of the ACC, the four we talked about and three others, to eventually sue to get out of the ACC, to try to get to what I've been calling the musical chairs game and trying to get to the SEC or the um, um, Big, Big Ten. Ten. Yeah. So, or that, or that in a couple of, I think it's going to be the Big 12 they're going to look at. So I do think that that's kind of where we're at right now. And I think that, you know, this is just step one for that. There's a group, we know those four, we know there's a, a seven strong schools that would really like to go elsewhere. And they're looking for a legal way to get out of their contract. They've got marketing, um, TV media rights that are negotiated for another decade out. Twenty thirty six. Yeah, yeah. It's not gonna. It's not gonna get any better for quite a while, and they're really getting shortchanged. So I think what we're gonna see is, at this point, I think we're gonna see teams try to, again, these four teams will be kind of the front end, block it. And then the seven schools come together for step two, sue and get out. But it's going to be a process. It's not going to happen in, overnight. It's a messy situation in it the is. ACC right it now. Um, and then with Cal, Stanford, and SMU, I know there's this talk about not taking a revenue share. And SMU is saying, hey, we could do this for five to seven years potentially. Uh, Stanford, we know, has such a huge endowment that they'd be fine without it. Meanwhile, Cal has the largest deficit of any athletic department in the country. I don't know how much long they can go without a revenue share of sorts. This is a bizarre situation. We always talk about it. It's all about the Benjamins. I I don't think we've ever talked about teams joining leagues without taking money and and it's not like that they're not getting the money at all. What what it sounds like is ESPN would still pay for those teams to join the league, but it would be split up between the members in an effort to keep Florida State and Clemson happy. It's it's a it's a temporary fix, but it's still not the the solution the ACC is hoping for. Yeah, I don't know. There's no real value add as well. Even if you took that extra money and gave it to just those four schools that are saying no right now. Um, I don't think those schools are holding out for the money. I think they're looking to the big picture. But I don't see how – I understand why Cal, Stanford, and SMU are doing it. Less Cal than the other two, because like you were saying, Cal runs a huge deficit in sports. But I don't see what's in it for the other ACC members at this point. Yeah. I mean, there's no cachet to those three schools. Right. What is that? I mean, it, are there really going to be people? who are going to tune into games, let's look at college football games in California to watch Florida State play Miami, who weren't already going to. Right. You know, that's the thing. I'm, I, that's my thinking of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, finally, some actual football. With as much realignment has uh, gone on and the shakeup in the world of college athletics here over the last month or so, now week zero is here. We do have live game action, uh, a few games this week, and then week one will be here next week. Bo, uh, just looking at week zero, I know it's a small sample size, but what are you looking forward to seeing this week? Hey, just to watch football again. I mean, just to be able to watch guys get on the field and play in meaningful games. You know, we've kind of had the NFL preseason to watch, and it's not – there's no competition to try to win those games. So now it's just a matter of the real games are here. Here we go. You know, the college is going to start first, and that's what you're really looking for. There's not any real great teams this week one I haven't seen, or week zero as we like to call it. I haven't really looked at the um, schedule, but – I mean, you got, I'm looking at it now. So you do have USC has a game this week and Notre Dame, you're only two ranked teams. I don't watch Notre Dame games anyway. And USC is going to beat up on San Jose State. So really, I mean, you're just watching to kind of get the feel for watching football again and getting the rhythm of actually having games on. And no one's going to get to watch USC anyway because they're playing the Pac 12 network. So. How do you get that? Is that, like, is that like an ESPN network? Or How do you get uh, that? That's the million-dollar question. People are trying to find the Pac-12 network. Uh, yeah, what's that now? You got to have, like, Dish Network as your cable provider oh or my. satellite provider. Yeah. Yeah, literally, as I'm looking at this, I – this is ridiculous. Yes, I'm not real excited about it, but, hey, it's football. I mean, we'll watch something. I'll watch what's on when it's on. Right. Um, this whole week zero concept was, was started a few years ago. And, uh, we've seen like the foreign trips last year, you had Northwestern in, in Nebraska. Um, you know, we've, we saw Stanford a couple of years ago play in Australia. Uh, it allows for some creativity. I would love to see week zero expand a little bit, but it's a, it's an interesting predicament, Bo, because, it's not, in theory, supposed to take away from week one either. Yeah, I think what it is is it's just those few teams that are going to get exclusive time. You know, it's like you would never see UMass and New Mexico State on ESPN in a primetime game. At 6 o'clock on a Saturday At 6 o'clock on a Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, that's you don't see that, you know. Um Hawaii at Vanderbilt is on SEC Network. You know, it's the one time that they're going to play Vanderbilt's game live on SEC Network all season. Um, you know, Ohio versus San Diego State on FS1. I think part of it is those networks get like a practice game. Right. Make sure they're ready. Their announcers are in good. That their technical people are ready to go. And that's sort graphics of package, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be part of it, too. With that said, uh, just looking at the college football season as a whole, Bo, since we do have live games this week, it is time to give our predictions for the year ahead. What is uh, or who are the four teams you have making to the playoff this year? That's a great question. All right. I, I've mixed this up now. I looked at the rankings, and, and you look at the teams, you kind of figure, get a feel for who's going to – be there at the end, and it's hard to it's hard to find that team that's in the you know ten to twenty that's going to jump up. But there yeah. usually is one. 
Um, I don't know who that is this year. If there is one, I can see it being Washington. Um, I can also see it being Oklahoma, to be perfectly frank. Um, but I went ahead. I don't have a whole lot of flavor in this. I've got it kind of – I'm a little bored of this year. Um, my final four is USC, okay. Ohio State, okay. Georgia, and LSU. Okay. LSU is the as the SEC champion. Ohio State is the Big Ten champion. USC is the Pac-12 champion. And Georgia getting in with one loss, the one loss being to LSU in the SEC championship game. Okay. Uh who are so so then who are your playoff matchups and who wins it all? So I would it would look to me like it would be um Ohio State versus Georgia and USC versus LSU. I'm going to go against my best judgment and I'm going to take Georgia versus LSU and Georgia to win the title in a rematch in the national championship game. How about that? Interesting. Um, we were talking to uh, Jonathan Hutton before you came on from OutKick, and he made an interesting point. He says that it's not going to be as easy as people think to replace Stetson Bennett there at Georgia. What say you is, I mean, say what you want about Stetson Bennett. The guy went fourth round and won two national championships. I mean, yeah. what what does Georgia have ahead of them of, of turning the page going to this next chapter? Is, is Stetson replaceable? Yes, he's replaceable. I mean, look, um, Stetson Bennett is to Georgia what, um, you know, the early quarterbacks in the Bama. Um, he's the like A.J. McCarron. Like the A.J. McCarrons of the world, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, I Good quarterback, but, you know, Georgia's going to be ready. Georgia's going to have a great run game. They're going to have athletic players all over the field. Uh, that big tight end Georgia has, I can't think of his name off the top of my Our head. Yep is to me the best non he's best receiving non-receiver. You know he's the best player in college football not named Caleb Williams. Uh or um or Drake uh, May. Or what? Or Drake May. Uh yeah but I like the receiver from Ohio State. Uh, oh, Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. yeah. Uh I think Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he would be he would be my Heisman favorite if it wasn't for somebody else. But um, I think Bowers is great. I think they'll score a lot of points with that. And then I think the other thing you'll see is Georgia's defense is going to be phenomenal. They always are. They're just they're just loaded. They load with the best players. They have the best coaching staff in the country on the defensive side of the ball. There's a reason they keep running those same player those players over and over to the NFL now. Georgia is the new Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And. Tom and I were talking about this earlier in the show, Bo. I don't think that Saban's necessarily lost a step or that Alabama is is just not what they once were. The problem is it's not Alabama. It's Georgia's beating them at their own game. Georgia's and Kirby is better at what they do now compared to what how Alabama runs things. They get they yeah. they ran into somebody that that figured out to do what they do and do it better. Yeah, it's just that it's just that it's not that Nick Saban's not, you know, as great as he's always been. It's just that right now, Georgia has come to their level. Right. And they're just as good. 
and they probably ha- and they right now they have better players and they they have a better system right now. I mean, I, there's no argument of what Georgia has turned out these last three for these last three seasons, right? And I don't think that means that Bama's slipping. I know I don't have them in the playoff this year. Uh, frankly, it's because I got them losing to LSU during the season this year, and then not be able to make come back and make the the SEC championship game. But if they beat LSU, then they play Georgia. Right. And you have a chance to go right back in the playoffs. So, and that was a tough game for me to pick. I went with my heart a little more than my head on that one. I also happen to like LSU's quarterback quite a bit. So, I think mean, Jaden Daniels is going to be – I think he's going to be a Heisman finalist. You know, I know Saban hated expansion and all this and saying that they didn't need it, but with as much as the way – Georgia has rolled through the SEC the last couple of years. And you looked at last year when Alabama lost two games by, you know, on the last play. Yeah. Bama in this next era of the 12 team playoff might be a big beneficiary because maybe the playoff, maybe the regular season isn't going to go perfect for them, but you give them a couple of weeks off, get refreshed, come playoff time. Maybe they're going to, you know, click it in gear come playoff time. Yeah. You just never know. And that's the thing right now is that it's, you know, you could see – I do think when it expands, that's going to help them. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, my playoff picks, and I'll give these to you and see what you think, Bo. I'm going with uh, Georgia, Michigan, USC, and Texas as my final four with Georgia beating Michigan in the title game. That's That's my official pick. Okay. I like Ohio State better than Michigan. Um, they just they have Michigan's number. I do like Michigan as a team and they Michigan's they number. They won Michigan's won the last two years. I know. I just but Ohio State has owned Michigan for two decades. The last two years have gone Michigan's way, but I will take Ohio State. Especially since I gotta go Ohio State with the best player in the country, other than Caleb Williams. Um and then the Texas thing, I think gonna be better next season with Arch Manning than they are right now. I I just don't have any trust in the University of Texas in football. I, yeah. I won't buy in the hype of Texas football, and I never, probably never will. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I, yeah. Um, they, enjoy, they need to enjoy their last year in the Big 12 because they're going to the Big Boy League next year. And they're going to get, and they're going to be just another team. But right. they, you know what? But let's be honest. They've just been another team in the Big 12 as well. Right. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely, they have. Uh, both shifting gears to the NFL now. Uh, Jonathan Taylor given permission to seek a trade. What ultimately is going to happen there? I know the Colts want a first-round pick, but why the hell would anybody give them that? Yeah. Well, I think if you're a really good team, you can afford it. Um, but I don't think they'll, they'll get that first-round pick. The Colts have shot themselves in the foot again, and go figure that Jim Irsay did that. The worst owner in, in the NFL, Jim Irsay, which is that's a pretty large, uh, a pretty large contingent there. But he's the second he's time that's been said on this show today, by the way. He, he's horrible. I mean, he <laughs> he's the worst owner owner in the NFL. And you know what's funny is that he's actually the one owner that grew up in the NFL. He grew up understanding football. He's what like a football nerd would be as a head coach, as a, as an owner, but he's too doped up on whatever prescription meds he's on to to keep things going. 
he and, and Davis were the two, and they might be the two worst owners. Yeah, and I, I just I he has totally screwed this up. If he wasn't going to pay Jonathan Taylor, he should have kept that shit secret and made a trade three months ago. Right, because he would have gotten a first round pick three months ago. You know, now you got teams, and they were they were hoping that someone was going to lose a running back. And what happened instead? We saw the free agent running backs that were out there took less money because no one got hurt. Right. No one got anybody tore their ACL in in in, in, in training camp, and now they're just sitting there having screwed over Jonathan Taylor. It's as my dad would say, it's an absolute fucking shit show. <laughs> 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 um, some of the teams that have been talked about Baltimore, Miami, Chicago, Minnesota. Is there an obvious team out there for you uh to make a move to, to snag up Jonathan Taylor here? I, I think every good team in the league should take a look at it. He is someone who makes your team better the day he walks in the door. If Buffalo makes that trade, they might be the Super Bowl favorites. Well, I think any of the really good teams that go get him would, would definitely help their odds. I mean, if the Bengals got him, same thing. If the Chiefs got him, same thing. I mean, you know, it, there's there's teams that can use him, and I just think that he's he's going to be he's going to go to a, a good team, and it's going to be a team that's going to be able to use him in and hear me out as a responsible way. They're not just going to run him every play the way the Colts had the last two seasons and burn up all the tires. Yeah. Give him to Dan Campbell. Oh, God. Yes. Yes. Well, Dan Campbell's got quite a few running backs right now with uh, Jameer Gibbs and others. They're loaded. They're not looking for any running backs. But yeah. uh, we get the idea. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I was listening to uh, this former football player, this guy named Ornthal James Simpson today. And uh, Orenthal, I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, Orenthal was talking out. He said, you know, he played his best football as a running back when he was 28 and 29 years old, rushed for over 2,000 yards, obviously the thing he was known for the most. Um, you know, and, like, he felt like that that was his prime years. And comparably speaking to Jonathan Taylor, people are pointing to he was worked a lot in college. He's just 24 years old. I mean, how much is that different now of the game that that Orenthal played in uh, where running backs were just entering their prime at 28 and 29 compared to where Jonathan Taylor is at right now at 24? Can he still be great at 28 and 29, or is that going to catch up with him before that? You know, I, it, Tim, well, it's a different game than when O.J. Simpson played. Uh, <laughs> You know, and, and and he's a different breed of cat, obviously. But I do think that what you got to look at now is how do you use these backs? Yeah. You know, is it, you know, what we've seen is some of the top backs for the last 15 plus years, you just keep running the tire. You keep running the tread on the tires and you keep giving them the back to carry so many times and so many carries and so many carries. It's like having a really nice car with a shitload of miles. Yeah. Eventually it just catches up to the edge. And so, but then you decide, okay, I'm not going to drive the nice car as much, but because of now the car's four or five years older, it's not as valuable as it once was, even if it runs just as good. It's, 
it's almost not fair, and there's no like great answer to this. So to me, like these running backs ought to be just getting all the money they can early because they're gonna all get to a certain age, and even if they're still doing well, they're not gonna get the carries just because there's too much fear in it. Yeah. Uh Trey Lance officially named the number three quarterback in San Francisco. He's had an awful free preseason. Yeah. I imagine they're going to be shopping him, looking at other options. Tom and I were talking about this earlier in the show. What a fall from grace. At this time last year, he was taking over the helm of one of the best teams in the NFC. Future looked bright. And now fast forward to a year later, that that escalated quickly. Yeah, he is it is amazing that the or see, I blame and I, this is the organization has to be has to hold responsibility in this too. Yes. The organization gave up three number three first round picks for this guy. And then they either they didn't give him the tools to be good. Right. Or he's been really bad. And there's nothing they can do about it. I think there's just as much blame to go to the 49ers here as anything else. And it just shows that no one's perfect. I mean, that 49ers team and that franchise is had a lot of good things happen and things that kind of bounced their way the last couple seasons. But this is a damning indictment on them as well, I think. And I think that's not getting said enough. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. It, it it goes both ways. There's blame to go around uh, for everybody. And I think part of it, you and I, we've said this in the past, Kyle Shanahan's favorite quarterback is his next quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And, the moment that Brock Purdy started playing well, I said to you, they're done with Trey Lance. They're going with Brock because this is what Kyle Shanahan does. He 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 moves on. Like mm-hmm. I, I think people need to take dating advice from Kyle Shanahan because clearly he knows how to deal with a breakup. <laughs> One way to put it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I had thought of it that way. Uh, but, yeah, he is – I think that Kyle Shanahan's favorite quarterback is the next one. And, and I think that's just shitty, but it, it is what it is at this point. And, but I think part of that is Kyle Shanahan's one of those guys who thinks that he's the smartest guy in the room. Yes. And no matter room he walks in. And I don't really have a use for those kind of people in my life. So I always say if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. His dad was the same way too. Yep, his dad was the same. dad was an asshole too. <laughs> so Kyle, Mike, if you want to be friends with Bo, that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. His dad looked like he had a perpetual sunburn. <laughs> yes. Oh yes, my God. He was a lobster all the time. Oh, no. Middle of the winter. It's been snowing for 10 straight days. <laughs> oh my like God. Looked like an old wrinkly ball sack in Denver. <laughs> and Jeez. then he wonders why he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's why. He didn't do enough skincare routines, according to Bo. <laughs> you know, they, they couldn't put him in the Hall of Fame because they couldn't make the bus that orange. They couldn't. <laughs> That's oh, a lot of detail yeah. on the wrinkles there. <laughs> Golly. Uh, <laughs> do you see anybody uh, making some type of trade for Trey Lance? I mean, and the other thing, too, we talk about how things fall apart this late in the ballgame. Nobody's bringing him to even compete for a starting job. He'd be he'd be lucky somebody trade for him to be their backup at this point. Yeah, Trey Lance will end up in the XFL next year or the USFL, something like that. <laughs> I, where else is he going to go? Look, I mean, 
Who's going to take him as a project right now? That's what he is. No one knows anything about him. Right. I, I I told Jones earlier that that let's say Aaron Rodgers goes down. Are you are you taking the Cougar Hunter or are you taking Trey Lance? Cougar Hunter's been in that system. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean that's the only. There's no situation where him. you can take Trey Lance right now. Not as a starter. And then where are you going to do with them on a roster at this point in the season as a project? I mean, you you. Are you going to put him on a practice squad? Not to mm. mention, like, and maybe you can tell me this if I'm reading too much into this, Bo, but if Trey was a, a a great teammate or showed any promise of some sorts, why on earth would the Niners have even bothered bringing in Sam Darnold? Why didn't, wouldn't they have just said, we're going to roll with, with Purdy and, and Lance here? I don't know. I, I think that I look at it as I don't know what the 49ers have been doing with this quarterback situation. I don't think they know what they're doing with this quarterback situation. Right. Um, and to and be I fair, Purdy had the elbow injury. Yeah, right. And I well, and that's true. That is very true. But I'll tell you what I do think. I think that quarterback position is the reason that they are not going to be a Super Bowl contender when it's all said and done this season. You might be right. Um, one more uh big NFL note here. Chris Jones hinting at a holdout potentially till week eight. Do you believe him? Sure. I don't I don't know the man to say yes or no, but I'm also the guy who says get your money, kid. So get your money. I mean I again I have no sympathy for a team. Right. So hold out. Hold out and go get your money. And if they don't pay you Fuck. Chris Jones is in his uh, late 20s at this point. I think he's he's got one more good contract in him. He can You can get three prime years of him as the second or third best defensive tackle in football. Uh, well behind Aaron Donald, but still above a lot of the other guys there. But where the Chiefs are at, is that is that worth paying where they're at right now, or are they better off trading him and get what they can? I, if I'm the Chiefs and I can trade him somewhere where I get something back, the Chiefs are good enough a team to make that deal. A lot of teams I wouldn't say to do that, but the Chiefs are a top tier team. So making a deal to get rid of Chris Jones at this point frees up some of your salary cap issues down the, down the road and gives you some flexibility. And it's not like that one player is going to hurt you in the end. There are, you can make things work because you still got 15 at quarterback who keeps you in every game. That's a lot what, of teams don't have that. And so you can't do that. But the Chiefs right. can. And that's why the Chiefs, if, it, if if Chris Jones is a man of his word, he's out for eight weeks. No, go ahead and make the deal. Get If you can get something that you think is competitive enough, do it. Well, and I was talking to a coworker about this this week too. The Chiefs are a different animal compared to other teams in they don't have the best roster. I mean, even in the Super Bowl last year, they didn't have the better roster, but they had the better quarterback and they had the better head coach. And that's why they won the Super Bowl last year. This year, I mean, they're they're a hell of a talented team, no question about it, but if we're talking rosters 1 to 53, Buffalo and Philly are probably both better. Um, Cincinnati's close. 
I mean, but Mahomes and Andy Reid both make up for a lot of those flaws. They do. They make up for a lot of warts. That's why you can make that deal on the Chris Jones thing. Well, think about this, too. They let Tyree Kill walk, and look where that landed him. It made Mahomes a better quarterback. I think it did. We talked about the, we thought that was going to happen from the beginning. Yeah, that's not a and that's not a knock or you know a disrespect to Tyree Kill. It just made Mahomes it, just be more disciplined. Be more disciplined, and it was and and for Tyree Kill, he was able to get his money, go to a situation that was better for him. That was a win win all around, and that's why I think the Chiefs. If and I don't know what's going to happen, but if the Chiefs were to be thinking of that same type of situation here, yeah, that makes sense to me. Why not? Yeah, you let you let Chris Jones walk, and then you take, you know, a quarter of the money you would have paid him, and you bring back Daniel Sorensen. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think y'all know my feelings on that guy. New Orleans Saints legend Dan Sorensen. He, he yeah. is the actual worst NFL player I've ever seen. <laughs> like they the want a Super actual Bowl with Dan worst Sorensen. everyday football player I've ever seen in the NFL. You think, always... play, you think he can play quarterback for the Saints? <laughs> I I don't know. I, I don't worry. You've about already had one. You've already had one Mormon play for the quarterback for the Saints. Hey, Sorensen was there already. I and I yeah. was hugely against that. Uh, <laughs> that's why the Saints. That's why I'm no longer in that camp. I'm off that narcotic right now. See, right now I'm in recovery. <laughs> and and, and I, I saw something this week. Oh God, it was somebody on ESPN. I think it was Dan Orlovsky. Who said he liked the Saints as one of his surprises who can make a run to the Super Bowl? And I was like, you just crazy. <laughs> I will tell you, I, know, that's, I, a, I like that's an under Miller. 500 team. They're I a like sub 500 team, and they're not going to win that division. No, I like Kendra Miller. I think Kendra Miller is the, the, next, the next big thing. Yeah. I like a lot of the players on the Saints defense. I like a couple of the offensive players. I hate the head coach. Hate the offensive coordinator. I hate the quarterback. <laughs> hey, look, I placed a bet that the Saints are going to win exactly five games. <laughs> and I have no doubt that I'm probably going to win. Yeah. I like uh, okay. so exactly five, not five or less. No, not, you know, I, I got a whole bunch of them at under nine and a half. That's their line. That's their over under line. Right. But then I found one bet where you could pick the exact number, and at like eight to one, I got it at five wins. Their line was nine and a half. Nine and a half. Fade the under. Fade, fade, fade. Horrible team. God, uh, yeah, they're not winning. People think they're, they're going to be good because they think that division is bad. Right. But Atlanta is better. I can't believe I said that out loud. <laughs> Carolina is better. Carolina has the best quarterback in the division. Right. And he's only a rookie. And he's only a rookie. I mean, look, Carolina is going to win the South. Um, and Atlanta is going to be within a game. One more thing, and then uh, we'll move on to our draft segment this week. Um, from the preseason, two weeks in so far, any big takeaways, any winners or losers that, that have stood out to you here the last couple of weeks? Uh, not really. I I haven't watched as much of the preseason. I just don't get a lot of value in it. You know, what that really is is players putting things on tape for other teams to look at or trying to make rosters. I just don't want to go that deep into it. It's not my job, so I'm not doing that. 
Um, but there's nothing. I guess the one thing I do have a takeaway on is Jordan Love. Yeah. It, getting an idea that he is going to be a starting quarterback. And it's like, well, we didn't know. You know, right. we don't really know who that was going to be. So I think that's probably something I've taken away. Um, you know, there's a couple of quarter. We've got a couple of plays. You know, we know Baker Mayfield's going to start a quarterback in Tampa, at least for a few weeks until he, you know, throws 19 interceptions or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of stuff. I There's nothing where I went, eh, yeah, I see where they're going with this. Right. We'll see. I don't put a lot of I don't put a lot of stock in preseason games, yeah. the, especially at the outcome of a preseason game. Yeah, uh, the Ravens that uh, the twenty four game losing winning streak ending this week. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, again, that, that's kind of cool that they won twenty four preseason games in a row, and in the moment, those guys are fighting hard to win the game. Oh yeah, but we're talking about guys who are. Not going to make the 53-man roster. That Ravens-Commanders game was the greatest preseason game I've ever seen. Yeah, that was I, I didn't watch any of them. I, I really haven't watched much. I got to tell you, Bo, uh, watching the Ravens the last couple of weeks, Zay Flowers, he is him. I think Zay yeah. Flowers might be the best receiver the Ravens have ever had in their franchise's history. They have Odell Beckham. They do. Zay's going to be better. I'm calling it right now. Zay is going to lead that team. That's just crazy talk. Zay is going to lead that team in receiving. He's going to be a pro bowler, and he's I going to get so. down as the greatest Ravens receiver of all time. Yeah, that's my hot take this week. That's, uh, that's Bo, a lot of fun uh, as always. We'll get to the draft segment in a moment, but first, uh, plug away. What's uh, what's coming up on the podcast? <laughs> hey, we are going to. Um, we're talking a lot of baseball again this week. Because uh, we're getting near, you know, we're getting near the end here. We're starting to see what's shaking with who's um, you know, who's going to be in and who's going to be out. There's been a couple surprises here in baseball. We're going to talk a little bit of college football. And then the other big thing is we're going to go, you know, the thing that you and I have talked about, kind of our rule. We we used to call it. I mean, it was my rule, but you adopted it. I've adopted it. So we used to have it. It was the uh, first. It, it was the Hill, now it's Dax. And now it's the Dak Prescott rule. So this week, Ellen and I have made our lists, and we're going to say who passes the Dak, and we're going to use Dak Prescott, the Dak Prescott rule, which means our thinking is you have to be at least this good at quarterback to be a legit Super Bowl contender. And we come up with our list. I will tell you that I only have eight teams in total, that I think have a chance at going at winning the Super Bowl this year. That might be generous at eight, actually. I got who, who was the Ravens quarterback when they won it in the early two thousands? Trent Dilfer. So it's he's obviously there's is there no defense like the Ravens ever again? You don't think well, that can... was the that was the Ravens incredible two thousand defense? Dilfer and Foles were the exception to the rule. Yeah. And you can go back and hit like Doug Williams and a few others. But for the Ooh. most part, you have to have a top-notch quarterback. You can't have a dynasty with a Nick Foles or a Trent Dilfer. You might you can have a fucking one-off. win one, but you can't win multiple. Yeah. It just you gotta have that franchise guy. Yeah. And I think that my number was it was either eight or nine. Okay. But it was that doesn't mean there's players, and we're gonna talk about this as well. There are four or five players that I think can ascend to that, but are yeah. not currently there. Like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is one of my five. Um, 
I think this is a I think we're gonna see something on Trevor Lawrence this season. I think he goes in the super I agree. Next year. I agree. I think, I think he's he's that surprise guy. And I'll be honest, if I was a gambling man, if I could get long enough odds, I wouldn't mind putting a little flavor on Trevor Lawrence's MVP. They're gonna be better than people think, and he's he's been better every year. Yeah. Jacksonville Jags second in the division. I think I have him second. I think second. they win the division. Whoa. Um, I'm trying to think of the division real Jags quick. Jags win the AFC South. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Never mind. South sucks. They won it last year, too. Jack Houston. In Indy? Yeah. Never mind. I was I was slightly getting them confused. I was thinking you could just throw them yeah, in. Yeah, I got the Jags winning the AFC South as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if they like swap, let's, let's swap them for the Patriots in just a hypothetical. Swap them for the Patriots. Swap those two out and uh, put the Jags in the division with the Bills and the Dolphins. Where do they finish? That's a good question. They maybe, won't finish the maybe top third. Two. Yeah, three maybe. Uh, yeah. The better, the better example. And I, I see where you're going, Tom. It's not a bad thing. If you take the Jaguars as a team, throw them in the AFC East. It's just uber competitive. I mean, you have every team is good, even the Patriots. And the Patriots are going to finish last. But if you took the two quarterbacks and you flipped them, woo! That the Dolphins would fuck. fuck. Yeah, the Dolphins. What if you put fuck. Trevor Lawrence in the Bill Belichick team? Ooh, that too. I was thinking if you put because he wants a guy that doesn't make turnovers and right. he can do some things. Again, that's where. I can see that. If, I can see that. If you put hard. Mac Jones on the Jags, the Titans are winning the division. Dude, hey, damn. Hey. Now, what if, what if you put? Hey, what, and I'll tell you, you what. Trevor I think Lawrence the team in the South. Oh, go ahead, Tom. I'll cut you off. What if, what if you put Trevor Lawrence on the Dolphins? I think the Dolphins are about the same right now. Yeah, I think. See, I have them ranked in kind of the same area. I think if I was going to project it three years down the road, I'd take Trevor Lawrence. Um, but Tua is good enough in that situation to be good. But he's not good enough. He's not one of my eight quarterbacks who yeah. are good enough to win the Super Bowl this season. Yeah. Could he be in two or three years? Absolutely. There is a pack of like five or six of them that, given the right situation and the weapons around them, Trevor Lawrence is in that group. Tua's in that group. Trey Lance to the Dolphins after he hits his head again. That actually might not be a crazy idea. They do have Mike White though, but yeah. Mike White's not bad backup. But anyways, Mike, Mike White of did Mike White play for West Virginia? No, you're thinking Pat White. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, Mike White, former Cowboys and Jets quarterback. Um, but nonetheless, oh. fascinating discussion. Check out the Coach Bodo's podcast. Uh, O'Connor Advice Group as well. OAGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for more. We will shift gears now, and we will do our draft season draft this week. We only have a couple more of these left, guys. We're getting towards the end of the summer. Summer Jones continues, but we're down to the home stretch. Um, and we are drafting our favorite villains of all time. And as always, these are up to interpretation. You could pick people that are living, dead, fictional characters, uh, whatever it may be. 
however you feel. We all get six picks. Um, Bo, let me ask you this. How do you define a villain? Okay, so for our sake, and because you use the word our favorite villains, I am only going with fictional characters. <laughs> because a real-life villain is not someone who is would be a favorite. You know what I mean? You know, it's not something I can I can't like a real life villain. But okay. I think what you find like the good villains, whether that's in a movie, in a book, in a TV show, they have a story that's believable to where you can see why they are who they are, and it could happen to anybody. But yeah. wants an origin story. Yes, I it, and that's well put. I want an origin story. I want to I can relate to you as a villain if you I'll give you an example. Um do either of you watch Yellowstone? No. I've seen parts of it. Okay. So I, I watched Yellowstone. My wife just watched them all, and she loves the character Beth, Beth Dutton on that show. Now I think Beth Dutton's an abhorrent human being on that show, but my wife loves her. Her exact words were. I wish I could be that much of a bitch. <laughs> and I just went, I, I I find nothing positive about that. But take a good villain, you know, maybe from a movie or a TV show or a book or a comic book. I think you'll find a lot of good ones in comic books. You can say, well, wait a minute. I can see why they're angry. And I can understand that. Yeah. And that's what makes a good villain. That's a big, a villain that you can that you can have a little bit of empathy for is a good villain. Yeah. Therefore, be one of my favorite villains. I am the guy who will root for the bad guy in the movie. Yeah. Again, if I like the character, the character I think Tom said the best has a backstory of some kind, an origin story, or if it's just a really incredible thing. Now I won't take take a real life person and say that's my favorite villain. Because if you're a villain in real life, that means you're just an asshole. <laughs> and I don't have any time for that. Um, all of mine are going to be fictional. I'll just tell you guys now. I know that I know Tyler's taking. I know he's taking it. He's going to get Stalin <laughs> and Hitler and all those. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Hitler whoa. story. <laughs> um, I so the draft order this week is going to be Bo, me, Tom. Um, I know who I want badly with that second pick, and I'm afraid Bo's going to take it, but we'll see how this goes. Tom, uh, any thoughts uh, before we begin this uh, villain draft here uh, as far as uh, some of the uh, the best villains of all time go? You know, I, I like Bo's approach to fictional. There's no shortage of fictional villains. But at the same time, the world we live in, there are many villains out there. Um, in the real world and in the sports world, and I will probably take a mixture of both. Yeah, and you know, but the they, won't be my, world, they won't be my favorites. Uh, they won't be my favorites. But see, in the sports world, a villain is only a villain to only certain people. Well, I, there's a couple of people that I've uh, that I know that are on a team that even the fan base can't stand. <laughs> right. Let's talk about it as we get there. So you'll be drafted. Yes. So with that, um, 
Bo, you are uh, on the clock with the uh, with the first pick of the villain draft. Okay, Th- this is going to be easy, easy money for me. Number one, Darth Vader. Damn it! That was one Damn of my. It. Damn it! <laughs> that was what I was wanting. Darth, Darth Vader is not only the best villain of all time, but you can have empathy for Darth Vader because yes. of his story, and he's the best character in all of Star Wars. Damn it. Oh, just like no that. Bo already wins the draft. They get the pick everybody wanted. Uh, yeah, I wanted Darth Vader. He's gone. Uh, I'm going to go to the sports realm. I mean, Thanks. if you literally took one letter out of his name, it would be Satan. And he is, he is very evil. He's won a lot. He is a bad mf uh, we all envy him because we wish we were him and wish he was coaching our team. I got to go Nick Saban. Nick Saban is a villain. There is, there's no way you can tell the story of Nick Saban and he's the good guy. N- another no circumstance. He is a villain. I don't know that Nick Saban is a villain. He's a villain to like a lot of other people, but he's not a villain in Alabama. He's more of a villain than Greg Popovich is a villain. Saban's more of a, yeah. I mean, Saban is disliked because of success. Oh, I think Saban's an asshole. I don't know. I think that there's certain people that are disliked solely because they're success. I think he's one of them. Okay. So Saban is off the board. Tom, you got back-to-back picture. So, Jones, I figured you were going to take this person, and I'm so glad you did not. Um. And one of my picks was going to be Darth Vader, um, but and I could argue that he would have been my he would have been the the roundabout pick here. Not that it matters because I have two back to backs. But uh, my first one is going to be the Joker. It's going to be okay. Heath Ledger Joker. Um, you know why so serious? It'd be hard to you know yeah. that'd be hard to beat. Um, and like I said, Darth Vader would have been one of my other one, but I thought, no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait and, and see what happens. So I think, you know, in the, still the movie realm here, um, one of my favorite movies, I would put it probably in my top 10, maybe, maybe on a, maybe closer to Halloween, maybe even top five. Uh, we might even say something like silence of the lambs or hello Clarice. So I'm going Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter. Okay, Tom, you picked two and three on my draft board. I, I mean, love the Joker, and I love the Joker more than just Heath Ledger. More than just Heath Ledger, the Joker is a great pick because there's been great Jokers, all of them. Except for Jared Leto, everybody yeah. who's been the Joker in movies has been good. Okay. And Hannibal Lecter is the best acting performance ever in a movie. I I agree. Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins is a is a is a and god. He doesn't a, he doesn't get enough credit in my opinion. And as a forty seven year old man, the only movie in my entire life that scared me was the first time I saw The Silence of the Lambs. Hello, Clay. I literally got in my car. I was in high school. And it had just come out. I'd gone to the movie theater and seen it. And I literally had to like check the back seat of my car three times to make sure no one was in the backseat of my car 
If you damn, know, I, would, you know I would have loved to see Silence of the Lambs in theaters for the first time with everybody else. Yeah, I was 17 when that movie came out. It was awesome. All right. Damn. So Hannibal Lecter and the Joker off the board for Tom. My next pick, I thought this was what Tom was leaning towards when he's saying when he singled me out that I, he thought I was going to pick this guy. Uh, real life figure uh, in sports. Even his fans would admit that he was a villain and they loved him for it. Um, there was no one like him. It will never be replicated. I'm going with the Intimidator, Dale Earnhardt. Uh, oh, praise Dale, praise Dale. The ultimate villain. One of the biggest villains, I think, in sports history. Uh, I got to go Dale Earnhardt with uh, with this pick. Raise hail, praise Dale. Uh, Bo, you're up next. Back to back. Okay. Um, Tom got two and three on my draft board. Hector, Hannibal Lecter was two. Joker was three. But this one is another one that's right up there with those two. And it's a movie character, Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Oh, damn. That's a good one. And it's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, that was, and you know, that was Alan Rickman's first movie. I did not know that. Yeah. He had been a stage actor before. They'd never been, he'd never been a star in a movie before. That was, and that's an incredible, he was incredible. And then just drops a classic. Yeah. The next one is a villain in the, in a series of movies. And again, it's someone that you can relate to, especially as the movies progress. And it's from The Godfather, Michael Corleone. Whoa, good one. That is a solid one. That is a good one. Um, Next pick. I'm going to, for me, this is going to be a cross between movie and sport together. Um, This guy has and- one of the most famous movie li- lines of all time. I must break you. I'm going with Drago from Rocky Four. Oh, that's a good one. Drago, that that's the best Rocky movie, is Rocky Four. Um when you know and, and I mean Rocky, Drago killed a guy. You know what I mean? Drago is one of a kind. I gotta go with Drago with this pick, and Bo's shaking his head. What's wrong with the Drago pick? I look, look, look. Drago is not even the best villain in the Rocky movies. <laughs> and Rocky was the Rocky Four is not a good movie. It's a great movie. No, it's the worst of the first four. <laughs> oh no, no! Uh, you, if you were going to pick a Rocky villain, you picked the wrong one. <laughs> you picked like number three. <laughs> you're not going to get a good grade, Tyler. I'm just telling you now. Well, you're just wrong. That's what it is. So, uh, <laughs> and nonetheless, draw go off the board. Tom, back to back. Back to back here. Oh, let's see. Couple, couple. I mean, I gotta, I gotta follow up that last performance with one. I think you know, and I don't think he gets it. He's not quite like a Hannibal Lecter by any means, and he's really not like a Joker. But you want to talk about in terms of just, um, really, just movie villain? Um, maybe one of the best and. And, you know, some people who are fanatics over this would call him the one who must not be named. Um, and I'll take Voldemort. Ooh. Harry Potter, Voldemort, the one who must not be named. Uh, I mean, he's, you know, someone's calling him that, then 
It's uh that's that's pretty solid. Um the other back to back I would have to take honestly would have to I'll have to go to the sports world here just because I told you I'd I would take one at least um from the sports world and kind of mix it up. Probably my most hated player right now. And um honestly, you know, I thought I used to hate Zaza Petrulia. I really did hate him. Um, I used to hate LeBron after his little debacle and taking his talents to South Beach. But just a true villain, a true bitch, just someone who would hit a teammate. Uh, the, the biggest bitch in the NBA right now, without a doubt, would be Draymond Green. That's a good one. That is a good one, as I also hate Draymond Green. I mean, that's what I said. Like, the fans, some fans can't yeah. even see him. I, I had a I, question. I, forgive my ignorance i've never seen a harry potter or any of those kind of movies is voldemort the guy with no mouth yeah he he, he looks like he got burned up in a fire and okay he yes, killed okay. harry potter i know who that is then okay again forgive my judgment i just don't i don't I'm not familiar with those so i don't know my wife jen would have loved that because she loves those movies um next, they're good movies next one uh I'm going to go with uh, my favorite show on television just ending recently. And I think it arguably is one of the best shows of all time. If you haven't seen it, you need to. Succession. Um, mm-hmm. And the old man in the series, uh, Logan Roy, was an incredible villain. Uh, you know, the the way that he just... And I, I, and I won't give any too, too many spoilers out there because people may not have seen it and highly recommend go watch it but the way he just he just teases with his kids about the family company and turns them against each other and and you know life or death and everything logan roy uh is one of the best tv characters ever uh i gotta go i would be remiss if i didn't take logan roy on my villain draft uh that's my pick at number four here bo your final two picks Uh, i've only got three so far Oh, yeah, you're right. You're, you're next two, yes. All right, my next two. Okay. Um, I got a whole list here, and, I'm, and none, you guys aren't going to pick any of these, so I'm trying to figure out how I want to go. All right. Um, I'm going to go back-to-back movie villains here. And, boy, I got three of them, but I'm going to take two. Um, I'm going to take Calvin Candy from Django. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's a sleeper. Jonesy, are you familiar with that one? That's Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, uh, character in that movie? I'll be honest, I haven't seen Django. Oh, oh okay. Right I know. You don't have to work tomorrow. I'll, I'll send you a free stream. It's a long movie, but it's worth it. Is. it. Okay. So, yeah, Calvin Cass, the Leonardo DiCaprio uh, character. The other one, this is like to me, like one of the second or third best performances ever in a movie. Guy won an Oscar for this movie. Um, Alonzo is Alonzo Harris from Training Day, Denzel Washington's character. I can see that. The way he sets the other guy up, the way the whole thing is the whole thing. You know, he that is some villain shit throughout the movie. And that dude is truly the, the epitome of a villain. I like that. That's good. Uh, so... Bo with uh, those two picks there. He'll have uh, one more pick 
coming up uh, on the other side. And Tom's got another pick, another couple picks here as he'll uh, finish up in uh, just a bit as well. As far as my next pick goes, I'm going to go with a movie character. Kind of surprised this movie character is still available, actually. Um, Word. This is an icon, this movie character. Um, I'm going the Wicked Witch of the West. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, With this selection here. The Wicked Witch of the West. uh, Iconic. Can't miss with this pick. Uh, You could call it a safe pick, if you will, but I'll go with the Wicked Witch of the West. Tom, you're up. No, that's a solid one. I did see that one on my list, and I thought maybe I'll save that one for further down if no one is taking it, but that's a solid one. I like that. Um, I will also go with the movie villain, but it will be... I don't think anybody's taken an animated villain yet, and so I'll tap into my Disney uh, a little bit, and I will go with Scar from Lion King. Ooh scar maybe i mean i remember lion king came out i mean i think it actually i think it came out probably the year i was born but that was one of my most watched movies i remember as a kid um and i always thought that was a solid one um scar and then i guess it's my last pick yes Hmm, see the last pick's always the hardest man um because it's like okay you know, it's like a recency bias. Anybody listening to the draft is going to be like, okay, they're going to hear it the last, and that's what they're going to base, uh, you know, base you off of. I'll tell you what, um, you know, Bo talked about when I said Hannibal Lecter, how he had to look in the backseat of his car when he left the movie theater. I'll tell you a movie that fucked me up for a long time. And you and, and Bo, you've never talked to her, but Jones, you have. You can thank Aunt B for this one. Um, where I'm going to take last pick. I'm going to take Pennywise. It. I remember there for a while. I looked down. I would, I would like stick away from the drain of the shower uh, because of watching it as a small child. Um. Pennywise was was terrifying. I'm not afraid of clowns. Some people attribute their fear of clowns to uh, the movie It, but I will take Pennywise. Okay. Uh, Pennywise with uh, your final pick. Uh, my last good pick. Solid. Yeah, good pick. My last pick, uh, animated movie as a kid that, like this character, probably scared the hell out of you. Uh and as I got older, I realized, you know what? Kind of a badass character. I'm going to go with Jafar from Aladdin. With this, mm-hmm. I, I, see you took, I see you took from my gif earlier in the text message. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm going with uh, Jafar with uh, my last pick there. Uh, for context, when we said we were doing this draft, Tom uh, sent in a picture of Jafar. But Jafar goes off the board. Couldn't leave Jafar hanging. Had to be picked. Aladdin's a great movie. Maybe one of the best movies ever. Bo, your last pick. Okay, I'm torn. I have not picked anyone from TV yet. And I've got one, two, three, four of them that I'm arguing about my brain. One other person is a sports movie villain. I'm not going to get to that one, though. You have to think about this for a moment. But I'm taking the cast of Seinfeld. All four characters, 
Jerry George Newman or yeah, Jerry George Kramer and um uh, the Julia Wayne Stratford's character, all of them. And the reason I put them together is because in the finale of Seinfeld, we truly see those four characters are evil by how many people they have harmed over all the seasons that come back to testify against them in court. So I'm breaking a rule. I'm taking the cast of Seinfeld, Jerry, George, Elaine, and Kramer all together. That's a unique pick. That is. It's thinking outside the box. I like it. Um, I don't know if it's acceptable to go with four people uh, for a one character pick. But you got jailed together. You got it's. It's all about how that ended. Yeah. And that was one of the worst series finales of all time, too. See, <laughs> I think it was great for that reason. It called them all out that they're horrible people. And if you watch the show over the years, they've harmed so many people, and they didn't care. The funny part was you don't even realize it. Yes. Not until the end, yeah. <laughs> and then you realize at the end when they keep parading people one after another, after another, after another, you go, wait a minute. These people are evil. Oh, so to recap, Team Bo is Darth Vader, uh, Hans Gruger, uh, Michael uh, Kalon. 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 Uh, Calvin uh Coton uh, Condi, uh, the cast of Seinfeld. I got Nick Saban, Dale Earnhardt, Drago, Logan Roy, the Wicked Witch of the West, and Jafar. Tom's got the Joker, Hannibal Lecter, Voldemort, Draymond Green, Scar, and Pennywise uh, as the picks. I already know that Bo hates my draft. So, Tom, let me start with you. What do you think of this draft? Oh, I think I won. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I've never been more confident in one. Oh, uh, what do you make Anthony, of Bo- Anthony Hopkins is going to eat both of your livers with some fava beans and a nice Keontae. What do you think of Bo and I's teams here? I like Darth Vader. I like Jafar. I like Drago, even though Bo does not. <laughs> um, I was really expecting you to pick a dictator, Jones. I was, I too, John. I, I or a serial killer. Nobody took Dahmer. Nobody took. Did you see BTK is back in the news? BTK is back in the news. Um, he there's he's been linked potentially to some murders in Oklahoma and in Missouri. Actually, one in Pahuska, Jones. Um, I saw yeah. that today. Um, nobody took no, no uh, serial killers though. Nobody took uh, Joe Exotic or. Uh... Or Carol Baskin? Ooh, villain Joe Exotic. That would have been good. No one took Thanos, Marvel Universe. Thanos was on my list. He uh, was, but I, I was waiting for someone to take him. I was thinking, oh, someone's going to get him. But then I was like, ah. I had a couple animated characters I thought about. Lord Farquhar from Shrek. Mm, that's a solid one. That's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, the guy killed the gingerbread man. You know, he cut him in half. The, the, yeah, yeah, he says that he has that speech. He's like, Some of you may die, but that is a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> That's, That's a great, great villain. Gift. That's a great yeah. gift online, too. Another animated character, uh, Corella Deville. Yep, Ursula. Yeah, Mermaid. Uh, That's a good one. Bo, uh, who were some of those that, that caught your eye that were left off? Okay, well, first, I think Tom did win. 
I don't know much about Voldemort, but uh, I've heard. I mean, now that I know who that is, like, yeah, I've heard so many good things. Uh, and I, I don't know about the scar one, but again, I like where his head is at. So I think Tom won this one. Okay. Um, I think you finished way last. I mean, like way back. <laughs> like we might have lapped you. Why do you hate Drago? Because Apollo Creed and Clubber Lang were both better picks. Apollo Creed is the best villain in the Rocky movies. Apollo yeah. Creed turned out to be a good guy. He wasn't much of a villain. Uh, it does, you know, but what he did to Rocky, those two movies, he's the villain. That's the thing, is that a villain can be both ways sometimes. I mean, eventually Darth Vader rescued Luke Skywalker. It's true. Mm, that's true. Nobody took you know? Fred Krueger. Nobody took Bane. Um, See, no one, I, I no wouldn't one have taken was... Bane because it was just a one movie. The reason the Joker That's was my great. number two pick, or my number three pick, was that the Joker was good in all of the movies. Every time right. they had a Joker, except for the Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's true. And then, I mean, uh, like Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers. Um, you could uh, not a whole lot of people go X Men, but I thought I forget I forget the guy's name. God, I forget his name. Uh, X Men who played Magneto. Oh, uh, that I know the actor. Um, yeah, another villain. If if Bo was going to be allowed to take the cast of Seinfeld, what could have been allowed, I guess, on the same front, the bad boy Pistons. Oh, yeah, I thought about taking some older, like, like Dennis Rodman, even. Yeah. And there was a couple of other ones that, like, I was thinking, like, Apollo Creed. What about Tony Montana? Tony Montana from uh, yeah. Scarface. Oh, uh, that's a great one. And that was, I came down, like, I already had an Al Pacino character. I couldn't do two. Um, and then on, for TV characters, did you guys ever watch The Wire? No. Uh-uh. Stringer Bell. That was one. And then if you, and, and you can from Oklahoma time, you probably know this one. Did you guys ever see the TV show Dallas? Oh yeah, no. Jr. Ewing. Jr. Jr. was almost my life. It was down to Seinfeld character. Jr. I was down to Jr. and the cast of Seinfeld. I went with the cast of Seinfeld. Um, here's a couple of old ones for you. Go check out. Have either of you guys ever seen a Clockwork Orange? No. Check I've that out. The Alex DeLarge, which is the main character from the movie, is an incredible villain. And then the other one I thought of was Hans Landa, which is the bad guy from um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And then I had three that were all played by the same person, but that person's kind of not persona non grata. That's Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Uh-oh. Kevin Spacey played the John Doe in Seven. He was Verbal Kent in Usual Suspects, which was also Kaiser Soze. And then he was Frank Underwood in House of Cards. Yeah. So, like, and any of those could have been good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah. So, those were some of the ones. And then Thanos was on my list. I feel like a lot of there's, I mean, obviously, there's a villain in every Disney movie. Yeah. Of some sort. So, there was a lot there that I thought maybe more would be taken. I think next week I have an idea. Obviously, you would think I'd say like the best superheroes. In a movie, but I got a rendition for you next week that we should maybe do. Top, since we get six picks, top six movies you would take with you if you had to live on a deserted island. 
That's I'm into Undoubtedly. I'm we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. We'll have a week to think it over and uh, figure that out next week. Boys, a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we're almost done with draft season. We'll look forward to that next week. Uh, he's Coach Bo. Tom, Thomas Bridges, Tyler Jones here. Tom's going to stick around as it will wrap up with Tom Fullery coming up next here on the Jones Report. Battle segment before we go. It's our Tom Fullery story of the week. Thomas Bridges standing by with something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to this time? Jones, been here in 2021 and, uh, or excuse me, um, I guess it would be, it would be 2022 is when I went here. And uh, it is rightfully called the strip club capital of the U.S. And if you know that already, we are going to, um, we're going to TJ Reeves' hometown of Tampa, Florida. Um, this reads from 96krock.com. Tampa woman fulfills childhood dream of becoming a stripper. Just like her mom, Sabrina Verlis of Tampa, Florida, had her had her a dream when she was just 14. Her mom, a former exotic dancer, gave her some of her old costumes to try on. Jones, when they say costumes, does that just mean I've been to the Tampa strip clubs? I'm pretty sure that just means, yeah, her mom gave her one of her old thongs or something like that. Probably. Um, no, that's not a costume. That's when the Tampa woman knew she wanted to follow in her mom's footsteps and, oh, my God, enter into the family business. Family business. Golly. This is golly. Six years later, at the age of 20, as told to MSN, she bought a pole, a pair of ple- – I didn't know that was just a thing. Bought a pole, a pair of pleaser heels, and two dancer outfits. After practicing for two days straight, she auditioned at a club in Clearwater, Florida. I did accidentally actually go to Clearwater, Florida. And the thing about driving from Tampa to Clearwater is I didn't know where I was going. Once you get on the long bridge across, you have to go to Clearwater and then turn around. There's no stops, and that's about a 20-mile trip. Yeah, so, I've, been, I didn't, I've been to Clearwater. That's the uh, hometown of the Church of Scientology. Yeah, I don't think she was dancing there. Uh, (laughs) her audition became her first night's work and she took through home three hundred dollars should have become a dj now 23 sabrina works 10 to 25 hours okay so maybe i need to become a stripper after this sabrina works 10 to 25 hours a week on the pole on the stage and in the private rooms hello making up to 10 grand a night jesus christ all right i'm Oh, okay, yeah, I don't blame her then. Okay. Oh, okay, wait a second. Wait a second. TikTok. It goes on to say, here's one of her videos showing off a week's work. And I'm like, surely not. And I'm going to click on it. It's just a video of literally her putting money into a box, which is, I'm going to send this to you. This is pretty crazy. If I could make 10 grand doing this, then catch me on a pole baby i swear to god because yeah this is this is drug dealer money right here made 2401 night that's wild her mom goes on to say her mom sherry i don't know if that's her real name or not danced in clubs in pennsylvania in the 90s but had to give up her profession two years before sabrina was born due to a car accident 
Her mom told Sabrina all about her cool adventures as an exotic dancer, and when Sabrina got to try on those outfits when she was 14, she knew she was hooked. Oh, my God. Someone called CPS. Um, so how did she learn to work the men and get the big tips? YouTube. Isn't YouTube how we learn things now? That's how I learned to fix my dryer. Anyway, here she's on a Friday night last month. Oh, my God. And another TikTok. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, Sabrina's salary pays the bills, allowing her to afford a two-bedroom apartment, a fully paid-off Volkswagen Passat. Jones, I afford a two-bedroom apartment, and I did have a fully paid-off Sonata, and I'm not stripping, but each their own. I'm also not making ten grand a month. It's expensive in Tampa. You need a box full of cash if you're going to make rent. Although making this kind of money seems like a great idea, the Tampa woman does caution that this lifestyle is not for everyone. She gets some strange requests, and people will at times overstep boundaries, but the money... Here's a video she posted last weekend. And she's posting a whole floor full of cash. Uh, I've never seen that much cash on the floor. That's just insane. Kudos to Sabrina for living the dream, keeping up with the family business, and making mama proud. As far as where she works, she doesn't say. But flash that cash and jump in her DMs, and maybe she'll tell you what she'll be working next. She's come a long way from being the teenage witch. Yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> Do you think that's probably- a... I wonder if that's Halloween, the role she I wonder, plays. I wonder if she dresses the part, right? You know, right. She's got to be a witch. Dyes her pubic hair black, and she just says she's got binks down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! We're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad too, boy. She'll be down there with us. She maybe she might dance on a pole down there for us. She could put a spell on you. Well, I'd let her too. <laughs> I mean, God, 10 grand. That's some serious cash. Like here was, here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to have to find this out for the next week, but okay. So she's a stripper in Tampa. She makes that kind of money that doesn't show a picture of her probably for, you know, trying to be anonymous here. Um, I don't know if even Sabrina is her real name, but at the same time, she's probably got to be pretty attractive um there were the strippers that i saw like i said i'm not a strip club connoisseur but when i made it down to tampa for the rams tampa bay bucks game i saw the amount of strip clubs and know that i had to go they were pretty attractive women but she's making 10 grand a month i want to know it didn't mention this she's got to have an only fans right she's got to and if she doesn't that's a bad business decision on her part She's already shown it for the masses on the poll. Why wouldn't you get you some subscriptions going? Um, and if and if she doesn't, maybe I'll be her consultant because um, that's think, pretty lucrative. I was wondering about this. Do you think that OnlyFans is hurting the strip club business? Um, you know, I think during COVID, like I'm trying to think about the OnlyFans phenomena. Okay, like like I feel like only really popped up during covid because like it really became a big deal during covid because there's twofold i was thinking about this like as far as the only fans thing um having a potential effect on strip clubs for one less money going to strip clubs because people could you know pay for only fans but two 
what about like the workers, you know, like if you could do it from home and make the videos and photos, why would you go work in a strip club? Yeah. You don't have to dance on any greasy ass old men. Um, you know, you don't have to drive there. Um, you don't have to, I mean, sure. I don't, I don't know. I've never purchased an OnlyFans, but I imagine the content would be something like a strip club or even better. Well, (laughs) I say better, better or worse depends on what, how you view it. Um, yeah, sure. OnlyFans would definitely be better. I, I feel like if you were in that business and, and had to look at the pros and cons, but if you could do both, then why wouldn't you do both? I mean, I feel like if you're doing one, you might as well do the other. But I feel like if you're, I feel like it's like kind of like a, uh, what do they say? A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Right. Uh, if you're a stripper, you might as well do OnlyFans. But if you don't OnlyFans, you know, and you're making good money, well, then don't be a stripper. Um, but you know, I mean, either way, you got you got to get that bag. So I don't, I don't blame you. If I could strip and do OnlyFans, and people would pay me ten grand a month then jones you might i mean you might you might get to know me a little bit better you know what i mean (laughs) Uh, i mean i mean why not so i'm sure she's probably got an OnlyFans. she should and if she doesn't like i said bad business decision what would have to be your asking price to get buck naked at either a strip club or online, like an OnlyFans. Well, it depends. I mean, I I mean, I could get buck naked in the champagne room, but it would be I wouldn't be making the money. I'd be paying it. Um, but you know, I'm I'm 30 now. I need to get in better shape and uh, not as flexible as I once was, probably. So, uh, <laughs> probably probably wouldn't do the strip club thing. Um, but and. I can two-step and dance decently well, but I'm a DJ for a reason. That's why I'm not on the dance floor. I'm just playing the ones for the for the dance clubs. I didn't tell you this either, Jones. Maybe I told you. Um, right after COVID, probably like right in the beginning of 2021, really, um, I was asked to DJ a Tulsa strip club, and I did think about it, and I turned it down because once you're the strip club DJ, there's no going you don't- back. You, you don't come back from that. Right. And and no one wants to hire the strip club DJ for their, their daughter's 16th birthday party. And word gets around, too. Or or maybe maybe in this girl's case, maybe they do. You know, she was 14 trying on her mom's thong. So I don't know if I'd want to be a part of that birthday party, though. You know, I'll say this. I don't, I don't shame anybody for their line of work or anything like that. Don't take this the wrong way, folks. But like a a following in the family footsteps, I'll tell you this right now. If my mom or or dad was, you know, a a stripper or sex worker or something like I'm, I'm not carrying on that legacy of like, man, I got to, I got to follow in their footsteps. You know, that, that's not what I'm looking to do. (laughs) Yes. I got to do, you know, man, my, you know, can you imagine like, you know, my, my dad, you know, he he worked his entire life, you know, just taking off <laughs> his clothes. And, you know, I, I, I got to do my part to carry on that legacy and tradition. Everybody needs to see my dick, too. You know, like, come on. Now. <laughs> what's the what's the uh, 
what's the ESPN reporter that does the NASCAR events and sometimes Marty football? Smith. Yeah, yeah, that's he got the Marty Smith going, right? Yeah, it's just like, uh, I mean, like, think about this. Yeah, well, my dad was a pimp and had a whole harem of women and uh, dealt a lot of coke. And, you know, I felt like to honor my late father, I'd go out and deal a bunch of coke and pimp a lot of hoes, too. Right. You know, everybody's got to honor their folks in some way, but. Praise you know, hope, praise mom, day. You know, mom, right? owns a day, mom owns a daycare, and you don't see me open one of them some bitches up, so. Um, old Nick Offerman said you got to paddle your own canoe, and it's definitely not going to be the strip club for me. So, but hey, get the bag, baby, get the bag. I mean, if I can make ten dollars, or if I can make ten grand, uh, you know, flashing a full frontal, I'm doing it. No shame. <laughs> ten grand is Tom's asking price. So if you're listening out there, and you want to see what Tom's got in his package. Ten grand, baby. I'll, you can have that delivered to you for ten grand. It's like, yeah, it's like uh, instead of you know they they have those biographies that's it's the tell all. Well, welcome to the Thomas Bridges show all, baby. Ten grand, and I'll show you whatever you want to see. Oh man, <laughs> ten grand. That's all it takes, and and Tom can be all yours, and you can enjoy him and go for well, it. Well, you can look, but you can't touch. Oh, that's <laughs> just not like fine. Just like a a car and an auto show. Yeah, yeah, that's another ten grand. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, on that note, we uh we gotta leave. We gotta we gotta, <laughs> we gotta tap out of this show. We're going uh, to the strip club. <laughs> yeah, we're on the strip club. Meet us there. We'll be there at uh uh what's that famous strip club in Tulsa? Uh. No oh, night trips. Night trips. We're going to night trips. We'll see y'all there. I thought After we'd party. take a trip. To, I think we'd take a trip to Magic City. Oh, Magic City. Yeah, that's Magic City. We're getting the. We're going for the wings, the chicken wings. See, yeah, see you and Lou Williams in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Plenty of chicken wings. Join us there. <laughs> that's where we're headed next. Uh, or you can follow us on social media, Twitter.com/slash uh, Tyler Jones Live. Twitter. <laughs> dot com slash Thomas underscore bridges. Uh follow Tom's journey to San Antonio. Uh he's not going anywhere. Tom will still be a part of this show. That doesn't change. Um we'll so, both be in Texas, baby. Yeah. If anything, the show will get better. Both of us being the state of Texas. So uh two Okies in Texas gonna certainly change some things for the both of us. So uh follow us on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, uh Facebook.com slash studio soapbox uh instagram jones underscore report tyler jones live instant thomas you can find us there subscribe to the show new episodes out each and every week apple spotify google podcasts uh wherever you listen to podcasts check us out leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all and uh we will see you right back here next week for thomas bridges coach bo jonathan hutton our entire crew tyler jones thanks so long it's been another dish jones we'll see you next week